What episode is this? Four or five? Uh, four. four. It is four. four. Four? Wow. All right, so we haven't gotten canceled. That's great. Welcome to Quarantine Chronicles, your bi-weekly podcast on everything not Nintendo on the random Nintendo podcast feed. I am one of your hosts, Kevin. To my virtual left, we have Jason. Hello. And then we got Angel on the other side. What's up? How are you guys doing? I'm doing terrible. What's going on? I'm doing okay. What's going on with you, though? It's well, been a busy week, but yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, uh, I've been... I was up until like 4 a... For, for reference, uh, we're doing this at 9... Well, we were we started at 9.30. Uh, <laughs> in the morning, not at night. In the morning, in the morning. But uh, I went to bed like maybe around 5, so I got a little less than 4 hours of sleep because I have the ultimate first world problem of... So I started streaming a while ago. Um, because mm-hmm. my PC is is uh, I guess godlike good, is good enough to <laughs> godlike. <laughs> again, no, not godlike. If it, if it's godlike, I would need to do what I what I'm doing. But basically, I I, I just wanted to set up a, a, a two PC like setup. I don't know if you guys have seen those, where you have your gaming machine and then you have an entire different computer just dedicated to to like outputting the stream. So that's how they. Seen that's that. how they do I've it without people, having super high specs. Just by a second computer. I've heard of people having like multiple, like, networks. Like one internet connection is just for playing games online, and the other one is just for the streaming. Yeah. So, so but you could do that. Awesome. You that's could do cool. that as well. But yeah. So I have my entire gaming PC, and I don't want to waste any resources on on like actually uploading the stream. So I got myself a little laptop. Uh, I was gonna get the laptop regardless. It just really helps that it is a pretty good laptop, a pretty good processor. So capturing the video from from my uh, gaming PC isn't the problem. The problem is the audio. I cannot capture the audio to save my <laughs> life. I was up until four in the morning, just uh, looking huh. at a bunch of tutorials because I can't be a little switch. Cap- oh man, it's that one <laughs> thing of like. All the tutorials are like, you're going to press this button and voila, everything's going to work. It's like when, I don't know how to tie a tie properly, but like every Same. single time, every single time that I see a tutorial on how to, on how to tie a tie, they're like, yeah, you're just going to do a flip and then you're going to go under it. Then you're just going to work black magic and then it's just going to work. <laughs> it, oh, I hate it so much. And I still haven't figured out this problem once we're done. And like, I'm not looking forward to to being done with this podcast because as soon as we're done I'm going to go back to trying to fix this issue and it's driving me insane Yikes. I'm so sorry it's really annoying it's, one, it's funny though because it's one of those things that like you know you see someone stream or you see someone put out some sort of production and you're just like oh that's easy they just you're like, I could go yeah but then like there's all these weird obstacles like here, here's here's a story here's a behind the curtain around Nintendo a bit um, for whatever reason our host insists that the only way to upload our files is is on pre-approved IP addresses. So I set one of the pre-approved IP addresses to be um, my phone. So if I'm ever out okay, about I and I need this. these... Yeah, so if I ever need to um, be out and about, I can just upload things remotely through my hotspot. But the thing about a phone is the hotspot IP... Like, your phone IP rotates. It changes. Yeah, it's dynamic. Yeah, exactly. So I had an issue where I we recorded and I was going to upload it, but I was going to my girlfriend's and I was going to upload it there. Then I get there and I can't upload it 
at all. So at one in the morning, we drive back to my house. I stand in front of my house like some sort of hacker with like a hoodie on, just like with a glow, you know, like the glowing screen as I just stand there with my laptop. And standing in my driveway, I upload the file and then drive back. And to be clear, it's like a 20 mile drive each way. So something as simple as, oh yeah, you just upload the file. Like this isn't hard for us. Nope, that can have problems too. So I feel your pain 100%. <laughs> and I look like I was hacking my house. Which was to strange. be fair, it's the ultimate first world problem. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, but it just goes to show, Kevin, our dedication to our respective crafts. True. Yeah. <laughs> last night, um, like I was supposed to play more of the Last of Us last night, but the only reason I didn't, I mean, outside of just like not taking into account how busy work was going to be yesterday, that it just kind of left me mentally drained. When I came home, my brother told me that, like, oh yeah, we haven't had internet since like the lights went out earlier today and that he tried like resetting it. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. It's like, do I wake up early tomorrow and try to troubleshoot it? Or should I just like tweet? Like, yeah, just work on it now until I fix it. And I was able to get it fixed last night. But by the time I was done, I was just like, oh, I just need to go to sleep. Like screw all this. And, but and it, also I just couldn't risk like potentially not having it working now. And then also delaying, you know, recording too, because Jason is like, you know, having us rearrange our lives here by recording early. I mean, but, we all have done this before. We all have other things. Sure, that have I to had get to do done. it last week for for yeah. for uh, yeah. But this was the one that stings. Only because it's me. But, I know. The second I ask something, it's like, oh god. But when you guys do, it's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, this one stinks. This one stinks for me because today was my day off. I'm like. <laughs> last Saturday, where where Ouch, like I actually right. had to go to work in the afternoon, but it, no, no, it's all, it's all good, it's all good. But uh, <laughs> the point is, to everyone listening, you definitely win, Kevin. Uh, as far as like, yeah, worst, the worst night. Between oh them. yeah, for sure. And and to everyone out there, the point is like, life sucks. No, <laughs> no, not yeah, all, life but... sucks. We're all stuck. <laughs> it at has home. its ups and downs. Yeah, no, but honestly, yeah. like in the grand scheme of things, the fact that we're able to, you know, think about during like lockdown and quarantine, able to talk like this and get recorded and get it all synced up, or that you're able to stream and you have the ability to have two computers, that's all pretty cool. Like, Technology is pretty grand in in reality. It allows for these little problems, but it's great when it works. Yeah, so yeah. you're still listening after my rant. And, and my rant. Jim, and his and, rant. And, <laughs> yeah, and our collective rants. Uh, thank you, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Angel uh, briefly mentioned it. Last of Us started. Last of Us started. Last of Us released. I mean, the discussion, <laughs> the discussion around Last of Us Part 2 uh, finally started. Uh, so let's get let's get into it. Smooth, dude, you, you are on four smooth hours of sleep. as silk. I'm tired, dude. I'm, I'm I'm like drinking a monster. I just had a donut. Uh, what type of donut? Uh, well, my my dad is very uh, like my dad will not go to like mom and pop shops. He will just straight up go to like a Winchell's. So mm. I had a Winchell's donut. Not my favorite donut. Uh, probably. You know what? Let's do this now. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's this, this, this is really bugging me because, like, ever since um, we we have a, this other like you know everyone has their chat where they just like chat with all their big collective group of friends. The group chat. And and for the longest time, like, I just noticed like I guess my taste in donuts is just somewhat different or sometimes opposite to what actually no, it, it's just like certain friends. But basically, I made a comment about Randy's donuts because I had it for the first time when we were back at the studio in Santa Monica. I never had, I hadn't really heard much about Randy's Donuts before that. I just like when I had it, it was just super soft and fluffy, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" To to, and, to interject for those outside LA, 
Randy's Donuts is an iconic spot here. It's the plaster donut on the top of the building that Iron Man sits in in Iron Man. It's a like landmark thing. Yeah, Iron Man 2. It's like a landmark thing in LA in the same way that like Pink's Hot Dogs is. Slander Iron Man 1. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> but it's it's like one of those, you know, it's like from that era yeah. of like the 50s where LA was really coming up as like this car city with like, you know, that kind of futuristic look. And Randy's was one of those things that was just part of that. Anyway, like, continue. Randy's were supposed to look futuristic? No, but it's part of that whole era of like that, L, like the car, like LA's iconic car culture. Like that was a piece of it. In the same way that like, you know, when they built LAX and all that, and there are all these like the freeways came up and like all that was part of like the same era, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, sure. I'll allow Thank it. you, Wikipedia. Thanks. Thanks, Judge. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, like we have a lot of like very, I guess, famous established donut places. I mean, there's a like, blue don blue star donuts in Santa Monica, I believe. There's or a few. Uh, there's a few. There's Santa Monica, Venice, Manhattan Beach, etc. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I expect you to give me more info. <laughs> okay, there's also Sidecar, yeah. which is in Torrance in Santa Monica. Yeah, so there's Sidecar. And... There's Voodoo Donuts. Pretty much, there's a bunch of very like people that claim like, oh, this is the best place. This is the best place, but. I don't know. I think for me, like, I kind of just stick to just Krispy Kreme and anything that just gives me a fluffy donut. It could be, like, a mom and pop or anywhere, but I guess I don't really, I don't I don't really have a favorite in that sense. Like, honestly, the ones I've tried from Blue Star Donuts, I've really disliked. Well, but that's only because the flavor I wanted, which was um, mom's grandma chocolate. It's like abuelita chocolate. It's If you're Hispanic, you probably have tried that. Um, I'm Hispanic. Like, that wasn't right. available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's pretty yeah. good. But, well, the the powder or whatever it is. I haven't had the donut version. But, so I had to try, like, it was like a fruit with, like, spicy powder on top. That was, like, the only one they had. And they said, like, oh, any Blue Star donut's going to be great. And this was disgusting. Well, they're, so they're like, art, Blue Star in particular, there's, like, mom and pop donuts, regular donuts, and then, like, artisan donuts, quote, unquote. And there's, like, Donut Friend and Donut Man and all these different things in L.A. But, like, but my, like my problem Blue with Star, well, that one... Well, I was is Blue Star is, um, their they whole gimmick is, like, their... exactly. Their whole gimmick is, like, oh, we're unique and special. I mean, like, I could, but my problem with, like, that donut and Voodoo Donuts, I mean, in general, this is, like, if I'm just, like, you know, just craving a donut and wanting to go eat one. In Voodoo Donuts, like, I feel like the donut, the bread part itself, ignoring the toppings, like, the bread isn't that great. I agree. But the toppings they put on top are just, I mean, I guess if you want cereal on your donut, like, that's where you would go. Yeah, that's why they overload the top, the topping of the donut with so much stuff. And keep in mind, they kind of have to make it less fluffy because they have to support the weight of all that stuff. (laughs) But I feel like most of the time, I would prefer, like, literally just the very basic glazed or sugar donut i am the same way as long as it's like super fluffy that oh my god i'm the same way but what's what sparked all this was i in the group chat said randy's is overrated i think right that's what led you to yeah and and then yeah Yeah. so we were all just kind of discussing like favorite donuts so after i guess that backstory like so what do you guys do you guys have like a favorite donut? well randy's is overrated donut <laughs> Randy's. Right, right. I mean, so so we know where we stand with Randy's. I've actually yes. never had Randy's donuts, and they just. I mean, from what from what I've tried, close it to, felt to just. So here's here's, here's the deal with Randy's in my mind, and I know. But I've only had that one flavor. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you had. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you try different types of donuts, so I tend like, to have the same. Much like you, Angel, I tend to have the same donut wherever I go. Like, I like a good glaze or a good sugar donut. You know, like the the, the crystallized sugar, not the powdered. Um, I'll give you that. And, if, they, if they messed that up, then that's... And they didn't mess too. it up per se, but in my experience of eating... Uh, what was the one you said earlier, Kevin? Win- Winchell's? Winchell's? Win- Winchell's, whatever. yeah. And then there's another brand out here, Yum Yum, that's kind of... Fra- uh, yeah, and then there's Duncan. 
There's Yum Yum, Dunkin', Winchell's, Krispy Kreme, Randy's, the ones you get at a grocery store like Ralph's or Vaughn's, the ones you get that are crazy like Blue Star. And then there's like some mom and pop ones. Like there's one, and I actually had to ask my coworker about this after the group chat because I knew you were going to bring this up. There's one called Goodies down on like Artesia and Crenshaw for those who know the LA area that one of our coworkers used to bring in. And ultimately, I'm like you, Andrew. I prefer. There's also one in Downey called Donuts that gives you like a literally golden glitter donut Ooh. or a like silver glitter donut. Ooh, now... I haven't tried those because I don't know what that is going to taste like. But uh, they, uh, I don't know. That's actually a good point. Metal <laughs> <laughs> just tastes Maybe, like you yeah. just had like a stroke. I guess I don't know. But um, yeah, the the thing I was gonna say is like across all those donuts. I do keep, like you, Angel, going back to the kind of simpler ones, like the fluffy ones. And what I've noticed is Randy's is not a whole lot different, at least now – and now they're franchising out, so even more so – is not a whole lot different from just generic grocery store donut if you get the donut when it's freshly made that morning. And I, Which grocery store? Like just like you know, generic like the pink box shows you up in your office. I don't know. No, that's my point. That no, tried. that's my point. Like the generic pink box that shows up in your office like – you can cover up the Randy's, and I won't know it's Randy's. The ones that came from that place called Goodies are essentially Randy's, but fluffier and fresher and definitely made within, like, the hour of getting to our office or a few hours of getting to our office, and you can tell they're better. That's kind of my point. So if you take all the pink boxes and line them up and cover them up, Randy's, in my mind, does not exceed some of the mom-and-pops like Goodies. So where everyone says it's the best donut in L.A. and it's this iconic thing, da, 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 I'm like, well, I don't know about the best goodies yeah i think it's goodies we my coworker and i spent quite a while trying to figure it out we actually pulled up a google map like we're working remote but we like both had google map open we're like wait what about this address and we're like sending it back and forth so we think it's goodies the person who brought it in left the company like a year ago so we're not sure um but the point is there are, i would say better mom and pops in la than randy's and randy's is riding the hype of being an icon and being in movies and being this big plaster donut that's like two stories tall next to the 405 freeway so it has all that working for it. I mean, I will say that. I mean, I've had a bunch of mom and pop donuts. And most of them aren't as fluffy as that one. Mm-hmm. But then again, mom and pop donut shops are very different depending on where you live. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it's kind of so like, it's very I guess what I'm saying hard is... to say that. So like, it's even hard to generate that. Because I mean, for all I know, like maybe I guess in my circumstances or what I have access to, Randy's does stand out in that sense. Perhaps. Or I guess for everyone in this area, maybe that's why. But maybe in... Perhaps. Because your side of town, it's a dime a dozen. Well, technically, Artesia but... and Crenshaw's in your direction, but yeah. Um, it's like in between us. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's just to me, Randy's is just another donut shop that just happened to have some really good branding. And now I'm they're like franchising really... them out around LA. It's just like, and you know, there are lines at all of them. I'm just like, you're just a normal donut. You just have a big donut on top. Like, <laughs> but that's just, that's just me. I feel the same way about pinks. I know I'd evoked pinks earlier, but like pinks hot dogs in Hollywood, West Hollywood. I love pinks. So pinks. Is iconic. Wait, Pink's what? Pink's has donuts. No, no, no. About their hot dogs. But Pink's oh. is iconic, no doubt about that. Pink's was the first donut, one of the first places to do like the crazy toppings, and some of those combinations are very good. But if you just look at the hot dog itself, it's very like I much I much prefer the um, other hot dog places around L.A. Like the one that's a German name oh, I, I can know, never pr- pronounce. Ha! Ah, I see what you did there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think. But what were you saying, Kevin? I thought you were about to say something. But... Oh, I was going to say something uh, with uh, driving eighty gonna, miles per hour. I was going to say. I was going to say something about. I was going to have a, a a hot take on donuts. I hate a fluffy donut. Oh, I like my donuts cold. I I love it. What? Like, yes, that's okay. called a bagel. <laughs> okay, no, 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 so so not necessarily cold, but like 
I, I yeah, I guess cold. Not like not like frozen storage, but like there's Hard. a different there's a difference between okay. Look, my my favorite donut uh, is from like the big chains, the just original Krispy Kreme glazed donut. Yes, I, I don't I, think you can beat there. that donut. That's up there. Uh, yeah, I love that that one just has a different taste to it. It's too, very distinct. I would say, like, even Dunkin' Donuts are kind of distinct, but in a very also different cake way. They're, like, small enough that you want to eat, like, three or four, and then... I strongly recommend not eating four, because you will not feel well if you eat them too quickly, as I did after my high school graduation. But you were saying? You don't like four uh, Yeah, so if they're, like, fresh out the oven, I will let them sit for 30 minutes, because I like the I like the glaze to, to like, harden up, you know? And then, Interesting. Oh, I, I, I love them when they're cold. When, when, when they're warm, no, can't do it. Do you Can't remember do when Krispy Kreme, you just walk into any Krispy Kreme anywhere, anytime, and they just hand you a donut, and you're like, I mean, I'm good, still, and then you just walk well, back I out? I mean, I guess in the before times, but I mean, we did that recently, a friend and I. No, they stopped doing, they still give them out for free? Yeah. They stopped doing that when they went bankrupt for a while there, because, you know, they weren't we did it having people pay for the donuts. After, why was I in that area? I was in, I was in that, um, near that mall we went to that was near the K1 racetrack. Oh, yeah, 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 down in uh, Irvine. Yeah, the, the, the fashion island there. yeah we were able to get one there interesting i guess down in That's orange county they still give them out but no like Krispy Kreme, the part of the reason they went bankrupt originally was because they were giving away too many donuts and people like me you know you go in and be like oh, i just want to buy a donut then they just hand you one just like uh i guess i'm good i mean we got our free donut and then we bought you know like a whole box because it's like of course we're gonna take them to the family but yeah no my family was with me we all just got a free donut oh. and left. And that's the other silly thing. So each of you get a free donut. So if there's three people that want three donuts, they just lost they should, $3 in like three donut sales. I mean, they should just do sample sizes, you yeah, know, like, like a little tiny square. Like every other place in the world. Yeah. Now oh, I, I need guess to send you guys the picture, the picture of Shaq with uh, the little mini donuts. Oh, you guys saw it, didn't you? I think I know what you're talking about. Where they, look, where they look like basically rings because they're so small in his giant Yeah. Like yeah. The, the <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'm typically just a fan of things – chewy in general i definitely prefer chewy over crunchy so i'm sure that has something to do with it but oh yeah because because I, 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 I prefer crunchy over chewy i um, like to end a meal or a thing with a crunch like if i have only soft <laughs> chewy things by the end of the meal i need something I feel to like crunch. I, that'd be the opposite for me <laughs> that's hilarious i know I like it's like you have like a you cracker wanna, on standby in case up, you know you're eating noodles or no, something. literally crunch. literally it doesn't have to be but like if i'm at home and we're having dinner or something jason doesn't have this crunchy item no seriously like if i'm at home or something and i got this from my dad he's the same way but if i'm at home and we're eating something like at the end of the meal like if we haven't had like a cracker or like something that has like a little hump to it like i will like go seek out cracker i will go find them i'll dig around and be like do we have wheat thins or anything like oh, i just what need, a weirdo or like chips or I just like to end with a crunch. It's like a very satisfying, like, it's like slamming the book shut when you're done reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> when Jason eats is an experience. It truly is. It's, you know. I'm a foodie, except I'm not, because foodies look for the experience around food. And I don't care about that. I just want my crunch for my experience. You can hand me, like, a, a tortilla chip, and I'll be like, oh, that was great. <laughs> what a foodie experience I just had. Do you think there's someone listening to this podcast that's kind of like, hey, weren't they going to talk about Last of Us at some point? <laughs> Where it's like donuts yeah, and crunch. But, and... <laughs> yeah, when when I originally when when we originally pitched Quarantine Chronicles, we were talking about like consuming media, and not actually consuming food. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, all right, well that that was our our donut conversation. Uh, but yeah, Angel brought brought it up. Last of Us Two, or Last of Us Part Two. 
is is a uh, is the actual title. Angel, you just started it last night or this morning? <laughs> <laughs> this morning. I was supposed to start it last. I was supposed to start it last weekend, but it, like time just gets away from you. But I was pretty much. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm close to finishing the epilogue. No, yeah, no. not that. No prologue. The prologue. The prologue. Yeah, prologue. Yeah, like I'm. I'm still getting through it. Like getting a lot of stuff established. Um, I do think that they recapped it the way they did. Usually, I don't really expect games to just straight up summarize the first game for you right at the beginning. Usually, it's just that kind of done throughout the game, if anything at all. Yeah, it's but, it's an interesting direction that they took with the game, and I've. I'm probably I'm already past the halfway point. There's a there's a very distinct point where you're like, oh, okay, I might be I might be almost to the halfway point with this game. But this this game is full of interesting directions that a lot of fans are angry about. Uh, we're 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 not gonna talk about about uh story stuff because I I still haven't finished the story. Angel just started it. Uh, so if anything, we just want to talk maybe just some. Just some first impressions of the game. Uh, were you able to take in all the graphics, Angel? Um, the first time around, or like you mean in part two? Um, part two, I guess. Um, part two. I mean, I guess I so. It's like I feel like I. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people look. They look both good and weird. I don't know what it is about them. It's like they're. It's not quite uncanny valley, but. I don't know. So something of just about the way people are just looking now. I don't know. I, I think it's maybe just like a later gen thing, but I can't deny that they don't that they look good. But I don't know. Something about them just bothers me. It, it's just the faces. I don't know. Something about them just kind of almost looks plasticky sometimes in certain lightings, or like some characters look slightly oh, different. Really? Like I feel like Joel looks kind of different. Like yeah. he's rendered differently than yeah. Other so characters. so I think oh not just. From appearance from part one and part two, just just straight up, oh, he's rendered differently. I mean, um, I mean between part one and part two, they don't look that much different. I mean, I played the remastered one, but I mean environments. I mean, especially because like I played Last of Us Part One over a year ago now. Um, you know, like when it comes down to memory, like the game already looked really nice, so it's just like what I imagined it looking in my head kind of feels like what this one looks like, but. I mean, everything does look nice and detailed. I mean, the first one I thought looked nice and detailed in a bunch of different places, which is, I don't know, definitely... I mean, it's just a really pretty-looking game. Yeah. And I feel uh, like I'm underplaying it, but it is a really nice-looking game. Yeah, I I haven't been playing it on my 4K TV. I've been playing it on just my, my monitor, and even on my monitor, like, at 1080p, it looks great. It's a technical masterpiece. Just, I don't know how Naughty Dog does it, but... The amount of detail that they're able to put with... Oh, I mean, I do know how how they do it. And they do it by making the PS4 sound like a jet engine ready to take off. <laughs> because I was choked the, on the water I was drinking when you said that. <laughs> right? Don't do that. We still, we still need your topics for mm-hmm. later today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I But I guess we did get your... your, your uh, My hot donut, donut take. Opinion. Yeah, your hot donut take. So yeah. I guess we probably don't need you for the rest of the I could die so. and it'll be fine, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the the game's a technical masterpiece. So, just on on the gameplay side, it definitely is more Last of Us. Uh, they didn't do anything to reinvent the wheel. So if you, I thought they added a jumping button, which I still don't have access to. 
Oh, yeah. So they added a jumping button, but I mean, I don't know <laughs> how. I don't, I don't know where you would use the jumping button, really. Oh, I guess the, the game is a little bit more vertical than before. Like, you have multiple levels that uh, that you can take. The The game is, is still very linear, but it's, like, more open. I think they I think they called it open world linearity because uh once you're once you're done with the with the prologue and you spoilers you you head to Seattle uh just the like main main road it's this it's this huge this huge area where you, where you can explore and it's it's really cool it's nothing that I've seen done before uh, like in a video game like this, that that's very story focused and and very uh very linear. I guess I guess I don't know if you played uh that downloadable Uncharted game that that came out after Uncharted Four, which was also another Uncharted game. game. Yeah, the uh, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah. So I guess they did that in this game. So what they did in that game, they applied to this one. I I didn't play. I still haven't actually even played Uncharted 4. I should probably get get to playing that because I remember loving Uncharted 2 and 3. But, um... Huh. Lost... Yeah, Lost Legacy had, like, these huge open areas. But it was still very much a linear game. And so, that applies to Last of Us 2 as well. Where you have these huge open areas where you can explore. Like, you'll have 16 houses that you can go into. Um, but you're still going down a set path. So... To a, to a point, and I was streaming the game, and I could tell, like, oh, this isn't exactly the most riveting content, like, me just going into a house and scavenging <laughs> for for items and stuff like that. Structurally, but, uh, that sounds like Resident Evil 4, where it's like you had freedom, but it was linear. Like, you had, like, branches to a linear path that always sent you back into the linear path. Oh, yeah. sure, but, but definitely not to the size and the scale of this game. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, one seems massive. Which is nice. I definitely prefer... Like game structured this way over, say like just Red straight Dead up or... open world, like totally open. Yeah, world. just straight up. Op- yeah, just straight up open world. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. It's like I, I like to know that I have the potential to go everywhere and not, you know, like waste a, a half a lifetime doing it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a fan of more linear experiences. I've said I think I've said it on the regular Ram Nintendo too, but yeah, I, I definitely prefer more linear. Don't you dare say the N word here, Nintendo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah. So so I'm definitely digging that. Uh, I don't know what else to say without getting into like spoiler territory. I mean, the then... on, I don't know. I think Naughty. Naughty. I'm sure Naughty Dog does this with their other games, but since I've only played, besides Crash, I've only really played their Last of Us games. Um, do other games do an intro like there's like it felt like I was watching a movie where they had like producer, like you know, it was pretty much like a pre credit scene. It like I mean, yeah, the the pre credits. I feel like other games or, have done that. Didn't Killer Seven do that, or am I misremembering? Oh yeah, I'm sure that's a very common game that everyone has played. Well, you said do other games <laughs> do it, so no, yes. I know, yeah. But I was, <laughs> I was hoping you'd give me an example uh, that. Well, I think. I mean, I mean, from what I obviously I haven't played Last of Us, but from everything I've heard about it, um, like the sequel, I mean, it seems I mean, like they're you, trying to like, do a movie experience. Like it's such a I mean, weird, they're literally they're driven, very cinematic, exp- yeah, like driven yeah. experiences. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely get that vibe, especially with the whole like. When it cuts to black and then you see like the title card, I mean it's pretty much like a movie. Frankly, it's something Almost. I've noticed with Sony's biggest productions in general is they go. I mean, they turn it into a show, so they literally just have to copy the game. Oh yeah, yeah, an HBO show no less. But um, 
Yeah, well, I've noticed with Sony in general is like they, they their angle they're taking now is like we'll make games, but we want to make it seem like you're playing some sort of cinematic, deep narrative experience. Versus like Nintendo, who's just like, here's Mario. <laughs> so it's so, interesting yeah. that a lot of like their I don't necessarily agree with that because main... I, I don't remember Spider Man having like an intro where you get like producer and stuff like that. I mm. think it's definitely, and I don't think God of War had that either. Like, but they definitely have that kind of more narrative heavy, right? Yeah, but they're definitely more narrative um, heavy than like a typical. You do play or third part, you know, like Call of Duty even. Like they're structured mm-hmm. around their story a lot more, they, or they integrate the story and the cutscenes a lot more. At least what I've seen from the outside perspective, because as yeah. you know, I don't own these systems. So it is um, interesting that, like, from I guess the GameCube generation, I remember there was a point where. I guess you would go to like Xbox or PlayStation to get like the big multiplayer games, and Nintendo was more like, oh, I guess you have your local multiplayer and more single player stuff. But definitely feels like it's Sony, yeah, like Sony has it down with all their like all their biggest titles are like single player experiences. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting. They're all these single player things. If you watch the trailers, they all have like a very like narr- not narrative slant, but there's definitely or like even if you watch how the cutscenes and the gameplay transition, it's often very smooth, as if like you're you're in a game and now suddenly you're in a movie but now you're back in the game maybe you're just playing a movie like which kind of makes sense because they also have a movie studio so they're trying to like marry those experiences a bit <laughs> i mean the fact that like naughty dog went from making like crash bandicoot to this you know this is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it yeah but then you well then again i'm sure most of the team has changed since then but still and now yeah, crash is in the hands of uh toys for bob for crash 4 did Toys for Bob do the ports of? They uh, did the Switch the, one. The remasters. They did the Switch one. They did some Spyro stuff. They did a lot of the Skylanders stuff. Who actually worked on the remasters? Um, I Was believe it was Vicarious. I think it was Vicarious. Visions. Oh, it was Vicarious Visions. Mm-hmm. And they're not. And they're not developing for. That's weird. They are too busy with Tony Hawk One Plus Two. Oh, so they gave it to Toys for Bob, yeah. who cut their teeth with similar types of games with Skylanders and with. I really uh, don't like that expression. Yeah, cut their teeth. Yeah, it sounds very painful it does I, actually i was i was texting uh one of the managers one of the you were sexting texting oh i was uh <laughs> i was texting one of the event managers at work and she used the phrase uh touch base and i was like i hate that expression so much you know you, Dude, you know what's even sure. worse for me i know i've used that one before the one i really don't like is let's take this offline when you're in a meeting let's and it's just like offline off yeah it's, it's very common thing in like like business let's I take guess, this but. offline let's take it to the streets homeboy like yeah <laughs> no but like let's take this offline so dumb because you're not online in a meeting you're just in a room together you could say let's talk about this later let's talk about this but take it offline like what <laughs> like i don't get it but everyone i mean now it makes sense as we work remotely because literally you're taking it off the online meeting but it's so i just don't understand it it's kind yeah. of like touch base. Or it's like all these things that just like became a thing, and I don't think anyone can really explain why it's now such a common phrase. Yeah, where 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 was I? Where were we? Um, we were talking about cinematic levels. Toys for Bob. Why are they doing the oh, game? And, and before that, it, cinematic it, Sony. Yeah, cinematic Sony. The the new podcast uh, coming to you from the uh, Nintendo guys. <laughs> cinematic. That's a, that's a good rig, rig joke. <laughs> you went back way too far. <laughs> so um. So yeah, uh, that's that's I guess my my initial impressions without touching touching base on the story because I don't want to say anything until Angel gets there or, or until you, the listener, gets a chance to experience the game. Yeah, but yeah, the, two weeks from now, oh, spoiler yeah, central. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
We'll probably save it towards the end of that. I noticed you didn't say, or you get there, Jason, because I guess you know I never will. Well, you have to buy a PS4 first. Yeah, Jason. Jason, like, yeah. Oh, I want I want to give a a huge shout out to the accessibility options in this game. Because holy crap, there's a ton of them. Uh, Anything from uh, from visual accessibility options to like custom to making your own custom difficulty, I think is super rad. How do they do so, custom difficulty? It's well, it's like stuff that you won't even like consider. Like, oh, I guess this is the thing. Like, they're saying like, oh, do you not want to have to like press like triangle every single time you have to like go up a thing? Like, oh, you could just hold this down, or you know, like stuff like that. Like little tiny tweaks, or That's make the radius really cool. of your hearing ability greater, or when you're crouching, enemies won't see you. You know, That's yeah, so, really so a, that cool. kind of stuff. And then, and then uh, there's like a high contrast mode so that so that uh, whenever you're walking around, you can see all the items that you can possibly pick up. There is a directional. Uh, it's not, a, not not a compass, but like you know, I guess the best the best game that I can compare this to is Crazy Taxi, where you have the the giant arrow pointing <laughs> you in the direction that, 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 that uh, that's <laughs> pointing awesome. you in the arrow that you need to go. Because like I was saying, the the areas in this game are huge. So sometimes you do get lost and you don't know where to go. And so at one point, you'll just get an arrow telling you where to go, which I think is is, is super cool. But customizing your difficulty, I think, is probably my favorite part of it because so at the beginning of the game, you, you have your five options. You're like, and I think they go by like light, uh, medium, heavy, super heavy. I, I I totally forget forget things that you have, but you can further go into the uh, difficulty settings and customize various aspects of the difficulty. So you can make yourself take more hits or take less hits. You can make the enemies take more hits or less hits. Um, you can make it so that when you find items around the world, you can make it so that you find uh, less of those items or more of those items. So, so I hmm. kept. The the way I the way that I'm playing my game is, I'm able to take more hits because this is a story this is a story game and I want to get to the end. I made enemies take less hits, so I kill them pretty quickly. But I made the stealth options really hard, so I made it so that so that they can see me from like a mile away. Otherwise, you can make it so that like you're standing three feet in front of in front of them and they'll they still won't see you. So I, I felt like I gave myself a, an okay balance, difficulty-wise. Because, yeah, they're pretty easy to take down, but they also can spot you so, so quickly. Uh, so I'm I'm loving that. And Damn, Metal Gear Solid eat your heart out. That's <laughs> really cool, though, how they do that. Like, it almost goes back to the whole Sam Axony idea that they're, you're in it for the experience and the story more than anything else, so... They're yeah. gonna they're gonna make it so you can experience it whatever way it takes to get through. There's also like no two extremes. Trophies. Like that's really yeah. cool. There, there's also no. I, that's probably why there's no uh, difficulty trophy in this game mm. because you can you can uh, tweak your difficulty to to your heart's content. It really uh, feels. And, or sorry, go ahead. Uh, like the first Last of Us had, I think, like beat it on hard, and then you unlocked the harder difficulty. And then you had to play that uh, one to get that trophy. Hit it when they do that. Just yeah. give me the hardest difficulty from the beginning. It's always the worst when when it's even worse when like Especially when they there's don't... multiple. 
it's it's even worse when the trophies don't stack, so that you have to play the entire game through every difficulty. I forgot. I think Kingdom Hearts HD did that. Oh, it was so annoying. Um, but Jeez. but yeah. So Jason, you can actually mm. play this game. Thanks by, by setting <laughs> by setting everything to to the awesome to its uh it it does actually the most accessible option. It does actually yeah, remind so, me a lot. It feels like the yeah, natural no evolution of the Super Guide. Do you remember Nintendo's whole Super Guide idea, where it's like, what if we like let the game play itself just so you can progress through it? Like they did it on the Wii a little, and then the Wii, the Wii U a bit, where they'd have like, hey, if you're playing Donkey Kong Country and you don't want to die, what if you just use a character like Funky Kong? And he just can't get spikes. Or like, what if you're playing Mario Wii and you just like have it play itself for the rest of the level after you die five times or like here's like invincible luigi like this seems like the next step of that except it caters to both directions so it can get easier or it can get harder if you're like a core gamer that needs their hardcore experience or whatever but that that's really cool and really like actually pretty innovative on naughty dog and sony's part like that's really cool yeah i'm never a fan of people demanding that a developer like from software add an easy mode to a game and this is a whole separate conversation mm-hmm. um i'm never a fan of, of people demanding that they make an easy mode uh i would like if they made an easy mode for players that would want to get into the game but you know it's the developer's vision so i feel like being able to tweak your every like aspect of the difficulty it would be like a great middle ground uh yeah, it's a very fine line that video games have to walk because it's not like you get, you know, directors for movies going like, all right, I have, let's say, Kill Bill, but here's like a version with like slightly less blood for people that can handle gore, but not that much. Here's one where like the blood is like blue and like electrical. So it's like for people that want a little more fantasy take on it, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. your tweaks basically. Yeah, right? but I guess for like, yeah, but I guess that's different because, like, with a movie, they're just telling a story, right? But, like, with a game, you're part of the story. So they're trying to – I guess it depends. <laughs> different endings. Well, it, it, yeah, but I guess it kind of depends on, like, how they want to prioritize gameplay over narrative yeah. and what the end goal for them and their game is in terms of what they want the person to get out of it. So that's if they true. want them to get that they're experience, different. they can, you know – if they want them to hate themselves, they can do something, you know, like From Software does. If they want them to have the experience of the narrative, they can do something like Naughty Dog's doing. Movies don't have that flexibility, really, except Choose Your Owns, which are very shallow in a, in a way. Although Bandersnatch was cool when Netflix did that. Oh, you got that's really true. muffled there. I was. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. that's the phone. I'm, yeah, that's. I put my finger over the phone mic, which is separate from the mic I'm talking into the recording on. So we're good. <laughs> oh, Just tip. Okay. Um, it might be good to not do that. Yeah, it's by accident. It's by accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jason, why don't you have any other consoles besides? Oh, like, like why am I like, not gonna experience the PS4? I mean, th- why I mean, are you is, not gonna experience Last of Us? This is literally designed for people like you, because yeah. I feel like for most of us that are this age now, like difficulty literally just turns into how much time do I want to invest in this game? Yeah. yeah, it's like I mean, like for games like you know, like Mario or God of War or stuff like that, where I want it to be as difficult as possible. Whoa, like I, the I want it side to of be the spectrum. <laughs> Mario like, I, or like, God of War. <laughs> Oh well, a, a fun little platform. Yoshi Story or Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> well, I mean, if you 100% the Mario games, they have some really brutal levels at the oh, end yeah, that yeah. most people never get to. But you know, like I am more than happy to invest like hours and hours on that, and that's going to be like, all right, I'm ready to put like 50 plus hours in this. But for a game like The Last of Us, where it's like I really just care about the story and I just want to get to the end, like I could just scale it down. So 
like what's stopping you jason like yeah, no, that's fair. What's your deal? I think what's my deal? I think I guess the flip side You're of just it too loyal. Yeah, I guess the flip side of it is why only Nintendo opposed to like why not the others, right? And um, it's a good question, and I've thought about it before. There have been times I've considered other systems in college. I was very close to getting a 360. Um, after hey. I was on the like when the PS4 was first like coming to its prime, I was like, should I? But I think what it is for me is I think, and it's a, it's I've made this reference before, but I think it's analogous to like sports teams for me, which I've. You know, I have when talked about my fandom talked about before. Like for for like Nintendo's like my team, right? And I always support them, enjoy what they do, even when things are questionable, like in the Wii U days. But you know, if you're a sports fan, you can still like being around the sports. Like if a friend invited me to another team's game, or like you know, I'm over somewhere and someone has a PS4 and they hand me a controller, I'm not gonna be like, oh no, it's like I can't touch this, my hands will burn. I'll still be down to check it out, and experience it. Uh, and likewise, I still like going to events, you know, because it's kind of like um, even broader events. Like I went to the Xbox conference last year because it's kind of like if you're into a if you're a big fan of the Lakers, but you're invited to the NBA All Star game. Oh, I got a free ticket. I'm like, I'm just gonna get rid of it. And I was like, like I'll take it. Give it to me. It's like, yeah. it's like I think I would rather just get well, rid that's of it. Well, because you're rude. No, no, I'm kidding. But it's you just uh, really wanted to go. No, because that's that's what I'm getting disturbing. at. It's like even if you're a fan of an like, Xbox One, geez. even if you're a fan of like. You know the Lakers. If you had the chance to go to the All NBA All Star Game and you're a big fan of the Lakers, you're still going to go to the NBA All Star Game. If you have a chance to go to a Hall of Fame induction where there's some big players that you res- you know respect in some way, you're still going to go. Which is why I like going to the Game Awards, for example. So there's like two tiers to it. Where like you know I'll go to the sport and I'll check it out, but I'm not necessarily going to buy a season ticket to a team I'm not as interested in. If that makes well, sense. Well, then, then so like, this, like... The, the console to me is the season ticket. If I'm investing four hundred, I'm all in. Like if someone like somehow if I rent it like I used to rent PS ones all the time from Blockbuster when I was a kid not all the time but a number of times I played Crash and Spyro and did all that but I wasn't necessarily like that invested in the non Nintendo world that I was like I'm gonna go buy a PS one and buy like all these games because once I'm in I want to be all the way in I want to get all the experiences like if I'm gonna support the thing I'm gonna support the thing so it's kind of like Damn, does that make sense kind of so like Nintendo it, like it makes sense team. but it feels it feels very like you're just holding yourself back. Well, I don't think I'm holding like, myself back. Could, I think it's just... Well, you don't know that because there's, like, all these games you're not playing. Because, like, I used to be like you. Like, all right, I'm all in on Nintendo. Saw almost almost all the other consoles as my rivals. But I but I guess there was a point where I just couldn't ignore the fact that there were games that were on the other consoles that I just really wanted to play. Well, there you go. I only had Nintendo That's consoles. That's my point. I don't have that yet. It, it, and, <laughs> and it felt limiting. Like, Whoa. it also felt like I was just straight up missing out. And there was this point where I'm just like, you know what? Like, it's this is dumb. Like, I I'm just gonna get a PS3 at the time because I really want to play Little Big Planet. I really want to play Fall of Cybertron. I really want to play Metal Gear and all these other things. And I it was just life changing. Like suddenly, like when Nintendo had all these droughts that I was like, oh my god, nothing's coming out. And there was all these other games I could be playing during that time. But that that and, you... and, and now I and now there's like so much good content it's like i don't know it's amazing you so him. jason there so jason yeah. there hasn't been a single game where you're like oh i would absolutely buy a console for that game on either either an xbox or a playstation i have you, honestly has there, has there a game there's probably been one or two there's probably been one or two every so often i'm trying to think i know for a while um i used to play uh with a high school buddy we used to play um call of duty on his xbox law and i was very close to being like i should just get call of duty in an xbox 
But then eventually it came to Wii U, so it worked out. But uh, and even Wii. Oh, but, yeah. oh super man! Super comparable. Those, I know, not comparable those at all. Amazing. Not comparable <laughs> at all. No, but my point is like there hasn't there ha- and like I really like like every time every E3 I always make a point to go to the Xbox booth and on those off years where it's Forza Horizon and not regular Forza, I always or Forza as they like to say, I always go to um, play Horizon. That's like the one stop I always make at the Xbox booth. But yeah, there just hasn't been, and I don't know if it's a time-related thing because I bear, I, as you guys know, I don't play my games enough as is. So I don't know if it's a time-related thing or what. But there's definitely but I mean, some level is- of me just I'm focused on intent. Like maybe the sports team analogy isn't good. Maybe it's the sport. So like if I'm super into baseball and someone's like, "You want to go to a hockey game?" I'll be like, "Sure." And then if I'm like, "Okay, basketball has some cool stuff," but do I suddenly become a season ticket holder? No, not initially. Not yeah, but the, I mean, the other side to this also. Well, it's not even the other side. Of this, I guess. More to my point is um, when I got my PS3, there were only like literally like a handful, like maybe less than five franchises that I cared enough about to buy. God of War not being one of them. In fact, that was one of the franchises that I didn't really have any interest in playing. And it was, it wasn't until like Elvis just like bought me the game. And it was like, yeah, he got it for me. Like, I'm not going to not play it just because I've only heard good things about it. And I've no, I mean, you follow the game industry. So, you know, for a fact, there's a bunch of these like amazing title that you know if you played them you'd probably like them but i mean like played those first few god of war games and discovered like i guess what became one of my favorite franchises ever so yeah but you're like you're you're, denying yourself that chance of discovery i don't and i don't i mean but you don't know i mean i never knew i would like god of war until i just but i mean following your logic we should buy every single system that's ever released in every single game for that system because you never know I mean, you yeah, even pointed out. Even, no, no, no. I mean, the like, only reason I'm not getting an Xbox is because I just don't have the time to squeeze it in. Okay, but there I you probably go. would if I had. Boom, there it is. That's why I'm not getting a PS4 or Xbox. There's cool stuff for sure, and I'm happy to play it with other people. I'm happy to go experience the things around it, so and I can appreciate it. Because you don't have time. That's literally, otherwise, no, no, you would no, have no, all no, the other no. consoles. But because I that. came close and I still didn't. It's a mix of the two, which is what I was saying before that I didn't necessarily have the time too. But it's a mix of the two where, like, there is one-off experiences every so often. Like, God of War, you know, sitting at the Game Awards, watching it win all those, those awards, and obviously I've seen stuff up before. I was like, okay, this looks like a really interesting experience. But was it enough to get me to go buy a $400 PS4? It wasn't because, like, it's, again, one of those things like you're going to visit a different team's game just for the day type of thing. Like, I don't well, know. I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm very fanboyish in that regard where I very much am, like, stuck to Nintendo. But I can appreciate from afar the other stuff. And, like, you know, the stuff about, like, the accessibility in Last of Us is super cool. Even Xbox doing that, um, ex- like, accessible controller is super cool. And I can be like, that's really cool. That I'm glad people are able to experience that. But am I – do I feel like I'm missing out? I might be missing out, but I don't really feel that way. I'm just like I'm glad that experience exists for those who want it. I'm happy in my weird little Nintendo bubble where everything's – sunny and there's no dogs you have to beat up and i'm not saying that's what's stopping me from getting last of us i'm just saying like i i see it from far i appreciate it but i have no urge to necessarily bridge that gap at least not right now i think i think maybe for be you nice. it might be a little too late i guess in in, in that regard Somewhat. considering that you that you are in this nintendo bubble mm-hmm. like yeah. I, like i wonder if you did pick up that xbox i think i'd be different um, yeah I think I think I'm a little set in my ways. I think I'm now the old dog. You can't keep, keep you, you know what's funny teaching you tricks. I guess right. you and I are literally like that fork in the road because you said it was like around college, and that was when yeah. I decided to take that plunge. And yeah, in like college, it's... frankly, was when I was. I mean, I was gaming the most in some regards because we all played Smash and we all like played Monkey Ball. And there's a whole group in my dorm, like my dorm room freshman year was the gaming dorm room for the whole building, basically. Like it was like a rotating Smash room. 
but um that sounded weird smash bros uh but um the uh what was i gonna say but then in terms of, like the interest in the hobby that's when i didn't do ram nintendo whatsoever that like there wasn't the daily site we weren't yet doing the podcast i'd follow the industry but it was definitely like i was probably the furthest removed from the industry at that time in terms of my interest like i still played a lot and i still kept up with the news but it wasn't at the level it was in high school and it wasn't at the level it became um when we started doing ram nintendo well you know 10 years ago nine years ago whatever it was Damn. can't even imagine what life would be like if i never got that ps3 but and, and that's the thing is Good. like um and i still get that's the thing is i still get some of those experiences so like i you know i made the call of duty reference and how it was on wii u and granted it wasn't the same experience but like that's like to use the sport, you were satisfied i, I was yeah. relatively satisfied yeah and to, to the point of like the sports analogy that is like you know maybe there's another team you're like and they're the team coming to town that day so you're like i guess i'll see them okay yeah come i'll buy the ticket okay let's do it uh, or like it, i'm visiting it, it a different like... city and i'm like you know what I'm gonna go see that ranger hockey game because like my dad grew up with the rangers and like you know i've heard tangent you know i've, I've had re- some sort of at a distance relationship with that team so i'll go check it out so it's like oh yeah i've had like a call of duty situation before let me get the switch one or the wii u one there's no switch one or i you guess know, only because like, like like know you or need for speed or what have you i, I guess only because like i know you and i feel like because i've played a lot of these other games that like aren't aren't available on the nintendo console i feel like damn like jason would have loved this game oh, he would so love this other game so it kind of feels like damn it jason like i know you're happy where you are but you should uh, you, know what, the, it, you know what the other it, thing is honestly it, 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 it almost feels like the equivalent it's like going like i mean it's almost like that food analogy it's like we know we've tried i don't know i guess like ramen in japan i know you've tried ramen in japan it's so good about. but you're <laughs> like but but you've only tried like delicious. some here and you're you're like like i'm satisfied like i don't need to go to japan to try it but like but you have to go like no i'm, I'm good here i'm just gonna stay here like, that's just kind of what it feels like there there is probably a little of that there's a comfort level but i think also one thing to be mindful of uh that i'm i've started to realize myself is i am much more of a like when it comes to actually playing games versus just absorbing the industry and being like a Nintendo fan and following them like a sports team and like, you know, paying attention. I hate it. No, but no, and like paying attention to like the front office <laughs> and pay, so to speak. And, you know, like the business side and being all about that. Like literally I follow them. Like, like some of our friends follow the Lakers. Like I know all the stats. I know all the everything, but the, um, the thing I've come, come to realize is I still very much enjoy some of the solo experiences, but you know, I said before, I kind of like prefer more linear games and like my get my indie game pick of the year on the regular show on the normal Ram Nintendo last year was Sayonara Wild Hearts or was it Untitled Goose Game? I think it was Sayonara, which yeah, it was Sayonara, which is a very linear short experience. I loved What Remains of Edith uh, Finch, which is a very narrative driven short experience. And I've come to realize when it's single player games, for the most part, I like the more straightforward. It kind of holds your hand. Or it's very limited, like Mario Odyssey, where you know you have some exploration, but it's in these small spaces. And then when I and then for beyond that, I'm very much social gaming. So I very much like playing things online with like you every week, uh, Angel, or like like we have our Wednesday night games. It's been Rocket League, and that got me back into Splatoon. And you know we did Mario Kart more recently, or like his clubhouse games with my girlfriend or whatever. And like I've come to realize that like I tend to drift more towards the multiplayer experiences. And those don't require me to own the console. And when it's something I do need to own a console for, the ones I do are very kind of like compact and easy to get through in terms of like the flow of it. And a lot of the games on the other systems aren't that. I mean, Last yeah. of Us kind of is, but it's very. No, no, no big. I know. Like, God of War is it, very. It, it big. Is, it, Halo's very. It, it big. is clear that it is clear that if you're on your own, you'd rather consume TV shows than games. Well, it depends on the type of game. Or donuts. Or donuts. Or donuts. But only not Randy's. 
<laughs> and not pink soft dogs. No, but it, yeah, I have like a very, like I've come to realize as I've gotten older. I mean, otherwise you just watch like the first couple episodes of a series and just move on kind of the way you play your games. But yeah. And, and the thing is like, I've come to, and on some <laughs> level, you're not wrong. Uh, and the thing I've come to realize is I think as, as you know, the world sort of, as things have happened in the world around me and as I've gotten older, I've started to kind of hone in more on the exact type of gaming experience I most enjoy and I'm most likely to play solo. And I think that plus just the Nintendo fandom are where driving all my game purchase choices. So I'll get the Nintendo stuff because I love supporting Nintendo and I love like them as a company and what they do and what they represent and their characters and their worlds. And then for like the other stuff, the third-party stuff, is either things that have a nostalgia play, things that are something I did socially in the past I really enjoyed. Like uh, I, me and a friend of ours in college, we played through Need for Speed – was it most wanted on the 360 and like went all the way through it and we just passed the controller back and forth so then when they made the wii u port i'm like oh yeah i should get even though it's a total polar opposite of everything i said it's a big expansive game like huge like relatively like open world for a racing game Uh, and it had like all you know it wasn't linear whatsoever and i was still like yeah i'm gonna buy that because i had an emotional connection to it from the past but i'm not necessarily gonna go forge those new ones because it just isn't where my head is at so that's why I'm not doing God of War. It's why I'm not doing, you know, an Xbox or Last of Us or what have you. And is it weird? Sure. Is it like some weird bubble I'm living in? Sure. But I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of started to hone in on exactly the type of game experiences I most resonate with. And it just isn't necessary in my mind to buy the other guys at this point as a result, if that makes sense. It's well, a good thing I have other people to talk about it with. Huh? <laughs> well, good thing there's Kevin. <laughs> but Yeah. No, and I'm happy – and that's the thing I'm happy to talk about. Like the, the the stuff about – like some of the stuff I've been hearing about Last of Us and how nuanced the narrative is and well, how know, like, like dark it gets and all sorts of stuff. I'm just like that's really – like I'm really glad the medium I most support and I'm most into and dedicate so much time to like follow and talk about and you know write <laughs> podcast outlines for that take <laughs> – Notice didn't they play. Um well, yeah, because I'm not playing them. That's my point. No, know, that's literally my point. It's like I'm very happy that that exists, but is it something I personally want to go experience firsthand? Apparently not. So um, for whatever reason. But, yeah, that's exactly the point. Like it's it's in this like broader space of gaming, and I'm really happy it's there. And I'm really it's really cool to see gaming go that direction. But I'm cool with what Nintendo puts out, and I'm cool with my little like whittled-down definition of what type of game I most enjoy. So... It's almost like I'm a casual gamer, but with the with the insight and mindset and knowledge base of a core gamer. Uh, hardcore. Yeah, which is strange. Which is why I always like to say. Um, that's why it's that, that's why it's always like weird, or it always catches us off guard because it seems like, hey, play Final Fantasy fourteen with us. It's like I feel like I oh well, MMOs I would never do. <laughs> pre, yeah, past like pre PS three me would never have considered doing that, but now that it's like you know what, I'm gonna give it a try, like. What if, for all I know, it could be something I really and, like? And yeah. frankly, that's really something that is something that I think is as gaming has blown up and as it is now two-thirds of the population that play it or something like that, three-quarters, I don't remember. It's some crazy number. But as gaming's blown up, as you know, indies have come into their own, the fact that there are so many different types of gaming, even the fact of you think about how you buy games, there's so many different I mean, ways. yeah, you could literally just play the MMO and nothing else. Yeah, no, the, like, the fact that's yeah. broadened and diversified so much, like, there are still obviously milestone games where, every, where it's gonna be, like, a cultural impact of a moment, you know. But sometimes those games are Untitled Goose Game, and sometimes those games are Last of Us 2, and the fact, and sometimes it's Animal Crossing. And the fact that, like, they're so different and they cater to different audiences on some level. And, of course, if you're a true gamer, which I guess I'm not, I don't know, you would try and do all of them. 
like it it there it, there are all these different lanes you can go down now and that's actually something i think is really cool that like gaming is so diversified that it is possible that we can all have our subset of what we're really into and they all kind of complement each other and there are people that will bridge that gap and find and dabble in everything you guys um but you know someone like me i'm happy in my lane but i can again just look over and be like that is super cool like the fact that they did whatever they did with last of us the fact that you know god war was what it was like i can appreciate that that exists and i don't necessarily feel the urge to play it but i'm happy gaming allows it you know and at the very least i am kind of happy that because you're in that special case of yours (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that i I could actually like kind of going against what i said earlier to go have someone to talk to about them while i can't share like I guess that experience with you, the someone that actually played through the whole game, I can at least tell you like, like, oh, I could just talk to you about like the ending of God of War, the ending of the other Last of Us, or even just show you like, skip to some of those bosses without worrying about like, what is to show you like, oh, this is like, look how cool this is, and you could be like, oh wow, that's definitely something you could only get on like, not on the Switch, I guess, or whatever. But, yeah, and I mean, it's yeah, also so- like we're gonna see, I suspect, this start to happen in other formats as well we for nintendo games because it's also like i really want to talk to you about the well you know I never even mario games even these hey, hey i games, beat some mario but... games i beat some mario games i beat mario Wii. i know you have but... uh <laughs> exactly like i want to talk to you about like the ending of galaxy or like even the ending of luigi's mansion but you know i guess I, I have a little bit for that i guess and i was gonna say that like <laughs> and kevin somewhat but i was gonna say that um I think this sort of weird branching at so basically as as the internet source flattens everything there's no like you know as movies become anyone can do it as TV becomes anyone can do it as we talked about YouTube a few quarantine chronicles ago and how like there's so much good content on there like we're going to reach that point where every single medium is ultimately going to have this problem where it used to be oh if you're a film snob <laughs> or a, 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 a cinephile maybe is a better way to put it uh, you know, you'll know. Okay, I need I need to see all these movies, and I will see all these movies. And I'll have time to see all these movies. But as there's now like a bajillion platforms, and as there's now like you know some dude on YouTube that made this indie thing that maybe went viral, are you necessarily as cinephile angel, let's say hypothetically, gonna be like, well, I gotta see that YouTube one, or you gotta kind of draw the line at why I like traditional movies, or I like this, or I like that. And as it becomes more and more, you have to start sort of dividing up your time differently, and things that were like just one bubble of a medium are now gonna have multiple bubbles inside and that's kind of where i feel like gaming's at especially with how the indie scene's blown up yeah i mean that's definitely been the case i've been you know like watching way more things i mean to put the point of our episode of when i was talking about the youtube content it's like yeah now i have to divide my time up between exactly some shows on youtube i want to watch versus some actual movies versus some even indie films that i've come to learn about that i'm like i would have probably never watched otherwise because here's the crazy thing but, here's the crazy thing to kind of put an end cap in my my point about which gaming. Is just depressing this is, right there's this too is much content no, literally there's too much content and this just put an end cap in it i play my switch more than i ever played my wii u significantly well everybody did no everybody no 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 no, no but i mean not, <laughs> no no but i mean like i mean obviously but i mean my point is like it's not like i'm gaming less it's not like i'm moving further away from what gaming was in my life in fact it's growing but because there's so much just on the Switch, like the indie scene, Nintendo's first party output, all that, I have even less time for the equally bigger output everywhere else. So it's, it's, it's hard to. Uh, I was shocked, but. Yeah, no, I was happened. super. Like, I said on the Ram Nintendo proper that, like, I should probably pick up Bioshock. Like, I wanted to play those games. You should. When That's am I going to. your goal for this year. Okay, but when am I going to necessarily do that? Like, I, I still can buy it and then get a little into it, but, like, when. I mean, for, uh, for, you, for, a, for a time when there's well, no well, games as, as we've learned in this podcast, we have to make it 
like a challenge or a goal for Jason. So if we specifically say beat Bioshock One by this time next year, yeah, that's and we've done way that too much. Time. No, well, we and we've done that, and I have beaten games. When I know we've done that, it. Yeah. We did it with Mario World. We did it with Link's a Link Between like, Worlds. You'll make it work. It'll probably be in the last month, but eh, depends. You always make it happen. But no, the, and to be it's, fair, the, we already failed our challenges that we gave each other last last QC. Our homework assignments. You yeah. know what's funny is I did check with Angel if, if those were serious, and he said no. So I blame him. I was ready to watch Rick and Morty last night. I mean, you could have. Nope. <laughs> Once you said it was off the table, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do other stuff. You said – I was just answering whether we were going to talk about it or not. Yeah, exactly. Or whether you should finish it or not. Well, either way, we could do it next episode. But no um, – you, you literally took the like – Oh, oh yeah, 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 our, yeah. Our homework, our homework is yeah. reading? Oh, I guess if we're not doing it. No, no, no. I, I took the, I, the I teacher kinda, moved I the – I would rather not talk about the Black Cauldron. <laughs> yeah yeah i think it works out but no the uh yeah i think it's things like i forgot what i was gonna say but i was gonna make a point about as things continue to grow oh yeah so like i am gaming more now yeah. but as a result i'm still playing less from the broader world of gaming <laughs> which is the weird like conundrum so it is a conundrum yeah so that's kind of sure. that's kind of why i am how i am if that makes any sense mm-hmm. there's a long way I to mean, go to I answer mean... that question no, no, but but it, it's good that you do give uh, some insight as to why just right. Nintendo. Which, yeah, which, yeah, it, it makes sense. I, I was absolutely like you before, where I think PlayStation was the only bubble that I, that I decided to stay in. Like I did own Nintendo consoles to to you know to play to play Galaxy or to play whatever else was on the Wii. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I just never gave my full attention. Right. Um, but especially as I grew older, I, I liked the industry a little bit more and more than than the gaming. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because like in... even when we're sitting here with the Switch, this is the point I'm actually gonna make before I forgot. It's interesting because even when we're sitting here with the Switch and we're like, you know, oh, it's Nintendo doesn't have anything out, just Paper Mario. What else is coming? Um, there have been like th- multiple free to play games that are actually half decent that all just came out out of nowhere. I mean, Pokemon Cafe Mix. Uh, Ninjala, like I know Elder Scrolls Blades, which is a huge game, came out like a month ago. So there's still, like, we never had that on Nintendo systems before, where it was like just this ongoing, like, trickle of stuff. And the fact that they're free to play is a big thing. It's like, well, I'm going to check those out. And then I get, like, Cafe Mixes. I'll talk about it in the regular show, but it's, 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 it's fun. It's actually really fun. So it's just like those weird little things where it's just like, I already own this system and I'm finding stuff to do here. Do I need to go spend the 400, 500, 600 to get everything else? So anyway, that, that's, that's, the end of my rant uh real really quick on, <laughs> on cafe mix is it is it what i thought it was like those that disney some some game you know i'm not sure i actually need to watch some 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 videos to make sure but i will i will check before i get my impressions next episode what i will say as a tease for us to come last episode when i said i bet you when i play it i'll like it and say you know go against everything that my initial thought of the trailer absolutely true i'm going against it it's actually really fun <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's it has a little more depth than you would think. It's still kind of silly in that you just sort of spin around things, but it has a little more depth. That's enough to keep you engaged or keep me engaged. Mm-hmm. The guy that doesn't play Last of Us. So, gotcha. well, <laughs> yeah. we we might not play the same games all the time, but we watch the same shows every now and then. Yes, uh, Space Force. Yeah, have you seen all of it? Anyone? I saw the first episode. Okay, I know Angel. You also Angel? saw the first episode. I've also just seen the first episode and felt that was enough. Yeah, so and I, I also saw the first episode and said nope. Yeah, so here's the problem with Space Force. Here's my concern with it. <laughs> I'm not even mad. I'm just the, disappointed. Exactly. No, that's the thing. They had arguably the trailer really. The trailer did not do it. Misled you? The, no, the trailer. 
Mm, I wouldn't. I wasn't that impressed with the trailer either, to be honest. I watched. Well, it. I mean, I felt like the trailer pitched like it's like The Office, but in space. Yeah, so that's and kind of the watched well, it. It's like well, this is well, more not, of a well, drama. Not, well, not, so this is The Office in space. I think it was. I never got Office. This is The space. Office, but just with like. The space branch of the, of but see, the, I didn't even fully get that vibe. This, by the second trailer, it always it already felt off to me. Oh, I didn't but, watch. The uh, yeah, trailer. no, it's the the thing that bothers me about it. But yet, I still made it through because I held out hope. Uh, is they got a stellar cast, they have a good concept, and they have like you know Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. Steve Carell being obviously the face of the office, Greg Daniels being the guy that created the office and is like you know kind of a comedy powerhouse. Um, he actually well, he has another show right now. Out he does right? on Amazon. I forgot what it's upload. called. Is yeah, it, is upload. that him or is that I believe Mike he, Schur? Uh, I think it's Greg Daniels. I think it's Greg Daniels because Mike Schur is okay. doing. Uh, well, he just finished Good Place and he was doing Brooklyn as executive producer, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, Wait, is he not working on Brooklyn Nine Nine anymore? I think he's a producer of it, opposed to that directly hands on. Although I may be wrong. Well, well, I'm, I mean, like creative wise. Oh, because um, no, didn't think, Mike Schur create? Uh, Brooklyn did he? If he did, then he, he I, hasn't I'm changed sure his role with it. I, he hasn't changed his role with it, as far as I'm aware. So whatever he did at the start, he's still doing. But like Greg Daniels, he like he you know he's a big he had one of the most successful sitcoms ever, and he like he surrounds himself with good like fun fact. Uh, when Conan and him first got started, Conan O'Brien, they actually lived together and were writing partners. Um, like they were roommates. Uh, so you know they've obviously gone different paths, but like he has like that foundation of comedy in the same way in the same realm that Conan did back in the '80s. So you know comes at the simpsons and greg daniels was doing whatever he was doing so like there's all that pedigree there and it should be really good and like john malkovich like individual people are really good like john malkovich kills it in his role i feel like he's so in it um it's not necessarily always funny but he's so in it and like ben schwartz he's basically playing you know for parks and recs fans john ralphio he's basically playing what if john ralphio was like a business professional so it's still kind of john ralphio but in a slightly different like through a different lens and he has some really decent moments but then, like, then it starts to fall apart scenes because, as you guys notice, you're expecting a comedy, right? And that's kind of half drama, so it's kind of a dramedy. But then, like, they match, and you know, if they want to go that route, that's fine. But the problem is, they match the drama with the most absurdest of comedy. With all these comedy stars, too. I know, and and no, that's fine because like Steve Carell's actually a really good dramatic actor. Like Big Short, he was really I mean, he good. He could be, yeah, but he wasn't in this. And you notice yeah, when I, I ran mean, I was off, expecting a. A comedy, not yeah. yeah and the thing is, when I a, and not only that, but when I rattled off, you know, like Ben Schwartz is great, John Malkovich is great, uh, Lisa Kudrow plays Steve Carell's wife, and she's pretty good. Like you know, I rattling off. There's some people um, whose names are escaping me that are, like supporting characters that are really like Jimmy Jimmy O Yang. Yeah, yeah, from, he's uh, he Silicon he has Valley. some great he has some really solid like he he's really good at, like flipping a switch between just being deadpan serious and then kind of ridiculous. Like it, he's he's good. He was great in Silicon Valley. Um, but yeah, so they have all these great people. And then Steve Carell's doing, like, the most weird, like, I don't know, he, like, fades in and out of this, like, tough general voice that he, like... Yeah, that And that he can't hold it constantly. so much. It, I don't... Yes. So he does I don't it know the whole series. He, I, yeah. Oh, does he? So I don't know if that's because, you know, Steve Carell, I think he's, he's over 50 years old at this point, right? I mm-hmm. think he's, like, 52 or something. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell if that's just because he's getting older and, and no, it, it, the time it's... in between... Uh, the the last episode of The Office that he was in, and and now no, it's like, it's a voice. Voice is developed. It's a voice. So it's just straight up a voice. It's a voice, but he doesn't do it constantly. So what I started to pick up on is he intent. It that seems like the, it seems like the character's the doing it when he has to act as a leader for his people. Like he does it as like I'm the tough general, but then in the more like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The more like at home. The more 
the moments where he could drop fire. the moment where he could drop the facade like so the more personal moments the more emotional moments he uses his normal voice which is a weird like i see what he's kind of going for but it doesn't really work and then there's a weird thing they do where like oh he's just i thought he was just forgetting to do it no i <laughs> I, I think that's what he's trying to do but even that's what, no, i know i know that's what it came off it as, did no it like, did because that makes sense what you said that like oh that, that makes but sense. the problem is it's not like i said it's i like batman but the problem yeah he, he's literally batman no but the the thing that's weird is like i think you'll notice i said i think what he's doing you would think after i've seen eight episodes i would know that's what he's doing but it's so Wait, not how long it is it's only eight i think episodes? it's eight maybe ten but, but my, like 12 my point is even – it might be 10 actually, but um, I don't remember. But my point is like even after watching the whole season, I still can't quite for sure say, yeah, that's what he was doing because I don't know what he was doing. That's just what I feel like he was doing. Um, but but that kind of addresses what I was saying before is like the drama comedy angle. is like so if they wanted to go full dramedy, you could go full dramedy. You could do like – I mean, maybe they marketed it poorly, if so, but they could do kind of like oh, a. It is ten episodes. Okay, there we go. But uh, you could do like hypothetically, like a Garden State kind of vibe. Like, there's different vibes you could have done. He's done some more, you know, dramedy stuff in movies. You could do that. There are options, but instead they took like these really like these moments of like personal emotion and like intimacy and stuff, and then paired them with like, well. The Russians attacked our satellite. What are we going to do? Well, we have a chimp in space and a dog. All right, the chimp needs to do a moonwalk. Let me convince the chimp to do a moonwalk by promising him bananas. It's just like, I'm sorry, there's what? a dog and a chimp? In space that they try to oh, convince man, to fix a satellite. Show. It's a CG chimp. It's a CG chimp. I'm not. Oh. I'm, no, I'm no longer watching the show. <laughs> but no. But my point is, like, so if they want to do the whole, like, oh, he's struggling with like keeping the base safe, and his daughter doesn't like that she had to move, and she's like acting out, and there's some, and there's like a whole scene, bit of a spoiler, a whole scene where him and his wife, who they, is incarcerated for reasons they never explain, like they have a whole conversation about like should they have an open relationship because it's unfair to the two of them to not be able to have intimacy, like all this other stuff, and it's like a whole like 15 minute serious thing. And it's just then so, you pair it with the chimp in space that's outside trying to fix the satellite wing, and instead of his drill spinning, he spins through space and launches off into gravityless voids. Like what? It just doesn't the tone out. The tone is animated. <laughs> what the chimp? No, no. Like, it sounds like what you're describing almost sounds like an animated. Right, drama. and it it's not like it's it's really weird. Like an and there's anime. a few episodes. There's like two I could think of where they're actually kind of fire on all cylinders and the jokes are good and it's the right vibe and the right tone but then there's like so many where it's just like what is happening like there's one where they have to do a competition against another division of the military and like kind of like a, it's like a war game essentially and they're faking as if it's on mars so they wear like heavy boots to like act like they're things and they're in the desert and it's just like the dumbest <laughs> like it's just so like after the episode just like what was that but then, like, the next episode was actually pretty good, and they were, like, trying to hire astronauts or something. It was actually pretty funny. So it, it, it's such, like, tonal whiplash, and, like, like there's no, like, baseline of the guaranteed humor. It's all over the place. Um, yeah, that's what, so, I, that's what I was going to ask you, if the humor, if the humor like, worked throughout the, the series. Because in the first episode, I laughed one time, and that was, yeah. that was the part when he goes to the gas station. Right. Uh, and the guy right. asks him spoilers i guess for space force uh, <laughs> i already spoiled a bunch well, so. <laughs> when uh when he asks when he asks or yeah he's at the gas station and the attendant asks him like oh are you going up to that to that base and then you just see steve carroll driving you don't really know the interaction yeah and as soon as he gets out of his car uh people with the guns are, are out there and he's like he's in the trunk 
and then they pull the poor attendant. Oh yeah, I thought yeah. that I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, there but and there's some good. Aside from that, that was it. That's all I laughed. And there's like, some. It was so weird in that first episode where where mm-hmm. Steve Carell asked uh, Jimmy O Yang's character about his umbrella. Like, or he just randomly has an umbrella. I guess they do explain it later in the episode. It was like, oh, there was a chance of rain and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird. It's so. And how about that ending of the first just... episode where Steve Carell's singing? Yeah, that, yeah. That, oh, yeah. So, and when, again, uh, that's one of those things that it just that felt like the tone was all over the map. Because so they made the singing thing like that's how he de-stresses. So whenever there's a situation, he sings. But usually they just catch him so that's like a running. It's a running thing. There's like two or three of them, but usually they're almost more like dramatic. Like that one was going for pure comedy, and I think it. I would say the joke failed. It just went on too long. It was weird. But like they've done a couple throughout where. He does it while he's walking down a hallway or he does it when something's happening and he does it in like a more intimate moment, like a more like emotionally – what's the word I'm looking for? Not intimate but a more like naked moment, not naked. You know what I mean? Like a more – that sort of – like a moment where he's supposed to be showing vulnerability. There we go. Um, so he'll just be like kind of singing under his breath when he like – something goes wrong with like something with his wife or like when there's something – some serious problem. And then like there's actually one episode where a character kind of calls him on it and is like, oh, I do that too. And it's actually kind of like a nice moment. But – where you know they're sort of like de-stressing together, but um, again, it is such a weird thing because in the first episode it's a total joke, but then like throughout the series, you're like oh, it's actually not a joke, and that's how he shows vulnerability. It's just like wait, what? <laughs> so it's just like it's just all over the map, and they could have land- stuck that landing, they just didn't. Um, I mean, did you feel that maybe this first season is weak as it is because it's just setting up a lot of exposition? And I maybe think season two will actually be a lot better. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, it's not a ton of exposition, but that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's pulling a Parks and Rec, and I'm hoping that because there are so many things that does well within this awkward framework. Like, I really think the relationship between John Malkovich's character and Steve Carell's character, where one's the lead scientist, Malkovich, and Steve Carell's obviously the general, and they have kind of this back and forth where they're often at odds with one another because Malkovich wants to do research and Steve Carell wants to do military things. But they have, like, this bond that you see develop over the episodes. It's actually kind of, like... By the end, I was actually kind of rooting for, like, the two of them to, like, be on good terms and stuff. Um, But then, like... So they have that. And then they also have... They do some good, actual, like, very light political parody... I mean, the whole thing's a political parody, let's be honest. Like, Space Force is obviously a reference to what we now have as a Space Force, and this, and some of the bureaucracy and silliness that comes with government. There's some direct jabs at... They only, they only just say POTUS, but there's some direct jabs there. Um, but... And, and the thing I was going to say is there's some good... Like, they actually cast someone... So they have a hear, an episode with a hearing about the money being spent at Space Force, and they cast a perfect kind of, like, parody AOC type, a perfect sort of Pelosi type. So, like, they're doing... Like, they're hitting those marks, and there's enough there, and the season ends on a total cliffhanger. So there is a season two, I'm pretty sure, and I'm hoping that they can just improve that framework. Like, they have the framework. They have some characters that work. They have some that don't. I'm hoping they kind of look at the feedback from season one. Because I think what I'm saying is about what everyone's saying, which is, like, it's really middling. Like, I think it's, like, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, where it's, like, there's some stuff that works, and there's some stuff that really doesn't. And I'm hoping they just kind of, like, figure out how to move the pieces around to make it just click correctly. Because the pieces are there. It's just very scattershot right now, even from episode to episode. I mean that doesn't that that doesn't really instill faith in me that I should continue watching this. Show I think with... you should wait for reviews of season two, and then if season two is good, do kind of what everyone says to do with Parks and just like power through season one. It'll make season like it'll help set the ground well, for season Netflix two. Netflix does a good job of doing like little video recaps. In between. Or you could do that. Like yeah, 
they had like a standalone like i know they did that for bojack where it's like oh here's like a recap of season one yeah and and the only concern i have is like so maybe greg daniels and company will be like oh yeah we should step this up but i don't think netflix cares about quality as much as they used to they put out 62 new shows in july or they're planning in june they're planning or no july or june they're gonna have 62 new shows new seasons new shows it's the eShop all over again. It's like but, back when but you can is actually it, keep up with a, everything, and, and now it's like well, uh, and and that's not isn't that a mix of of originals and stuff that they're licensing. I was under the impression it's Netflix originals, sixty two new what, originals. What, yeah. No, he, he sees oh, Kevin's right because they they count a lot of animes as oh oh that's what you mean. Yeah, anything that's there, to, but they're just like nope, that's not an original. Yeah, anything that's new to that market, we'll say that. So okay. not not you know not like syndicated old shows. Yeah. It's 62 different Netflix or, exclusives. 62 Netflix exclusives. Yeah, but the thing I'm getting at with that is, that, and obviously Netflix is a global audience. Obviously, they have the data that can drive these more niche shows for niche audiences, and not to worry about like you know, is uh, anime 25 that we just bought here going to appeal to the same thing as to the same crowd as Space Force? No, so we can push out both at the same time. But I guess my point is, they're putting out 62 things in a month. You can't have the same quality control as when they only had House of Cards, Orange Is the New Black, and BoJack. All of which were a very high bar because they were House of Cards with a Netflix exclusive. Yes, yes, it was their very first show, and uh, and that, and you can literally, I mean, obviously, some of the drama around the cast of House of Cards led to its the cards to fall. Um, haha. But uh, no, but like you could see as Netflix started diverting attention to other things, House of Cards quality started dipping. But they kept renewing it because they had a big audience. But it wasn't like I guarantee if it was still their one flagship show or one of three or whatever, they would have like refine that thing and polish that thing so much more than they did because like the first three seasons versus the last two or three are like entirely different shows so i i suspect i hope space force i hope the creative forces behind it want to you know take the feedback and and work with it but if they just pump out another season like season one i would not be surprised and i wouldn't fault them for it because like it's probably getting tons of viewers because of who's involved it is um you know, as far as Netflix is concerned, it's generating the revenue they need probably because it's such like a banner show for them. So even if you don't like it, if you watch the whole thing like I did, you gave Netflix what they were looking for and they could just do it again and maybe I'll do it again. Maybe I won't. I don't even know. <laughs> so it depends. Like there's just enough there that kept me kind of like, all right, let's see. And I don't know if that's that might hold true in season two. I'm not sure. Well, but, okay. but yeah, so that, that's my take on Space Force. Well, I mean – your, your take, Angel, because I guess we really didn't get your take. Oh yeah, aside from one and done. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Like I went in, ex- I went like I mean, I saw the first trailer. I thought it was going to be way more of a comedy. It wasn't, and I don't know. Like I saw it with my sister and my brother in law, and like it just didn't really. None of us were just feeling it, and we were just like, uh, I don't know. Steve Carell's character felt like it probably needed to be in a different show. Like half the characters kind of felt that way, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of decided we were just going to stop right there. I wonder. But I was curious, oh. but definitely curious to hear. I mean, definitely happy to hear Jason's full impression, just because I am still kind of curious. Like, did it get better? Some episodes like, are solid, like kinda? two. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Ringing I like. The, I, think, I think I like. Yeah, <laughs> two out of twenty percent of it, maybe worth your time, but then maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, st- like stuff like this like i mean if the show like in season two or season three does get better like i'm always like brought back to examples that people will say just like to kind of bring up anime again they'll say like oh yeah like the first 30 episodes are really slow but dude like Holy. after that it gets really good or like oh dude they just like pull through like the first couple seasons but like 
yeah, 60 and onward, amazing. It's like, yeah, it's the Parks like, and Rec scenario. Well, Parks, well, Parks and Rec had the benefit of the first season only being six episodes. True. And this one's and, only... Yeah, also you're not just sending someone to watch, and, like, whole seasons yeah, yeah. and just stick with it. And yeah. also increasing dramatically in quality between uh, the last episode of season six and the first episode of season two. Season six? So, uh, uh, the the last episode of season one. Oh, episode six, yeah. yeah episode yeah. six, yeah. Season you know, it's once they got rid of Mark. <laughs> I don't know if he was the problem, but once they got rid of Mark, it's... No, suddenly... well, Mark, Mark was in the majority of season two. He wa- Oh, that's right. He left after two. Yeah, Mark Mark, Mark Brandano, which was I, I thought right. he was a great character. What are you talking about? No, I was just making the joke that he was when it, everyone said it picked up. I got my seasons mixed up, so never mind. Oh, uh, when uh, yeah. when uh, I'm blanking on his name, Adam Adam Scott, Scott. and Rob Lowe joined. Yeah, I think that's when Parks hit its stride. Was once they had that cast. Uh, Mark, Mark wasn't oh, bad. Yeah, I didn't yeah, mind Mark, yeah. but yeah, I thought like once Adam Scott and, and Rob Lowe were there, yeah. Speaking of Parks fans, uh, not to promote competing podcasts, but Rob Lowe has a podcast called Literally Now, and Chris Pratt is the first guest. So if you want to hear them reminisce about Parks, I'm sure that's what they're going to do. I'm yeah, huh? I might I might actually listen to that. Yeah, huh. it's uh, you know, gossip support really support our Lowe, fellow but... uh, you know startup podcasters. Rob Lowe's first show. We've been doing this forever. We're would we're you, the Rob Lowe's you... of podcasting, and he's the us. I miss so. I miss <laughs> Rob Lowe and Moonbeam City. I wish that show got a second season. I thought it got two. There was only one. No, it's just one. Oh. Just one. Maybe we'll talk about now, it in another episode. What were you going to say, Now, be, be honest, mm. uh, Jason. Would you have listened to Literally if he wasn't on no. Conan's podcast network yet? Oh, oh, oh. So. No. Um, uh, I might have. I wouldn't have known about it because they're not promoting it very strongly. But I probably would have for the Chris Pratt-Rob Lowe combo because I love – So when there's a comedy I really like, specifically comedies, I feel like, and the cast really clicks – like I like going to like Payleaf Fest panels and seeing them all interact and like, and I feel like hearing stories like war stories of the Parks and Rec days would be really fun. So I probably would have still listened to it, but I wouldn't have necessarily known about it without it being promoted across Team Coco's channels. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, like that's gotcha. why I love Community so much. It's not just the show, but I really like the cast interactions when they're like off camera, and like I right, saw right. them at Payleaf Fest like four years in a row or something. So yeah, when uh, that that. That Paley Fest when they showed GI Joe, GI Jeff, what, Donald Glover wasn't there, was he? He, I, and the four times I've seen that cast, I've never seen him among them. Yeah, I'm pretty. He, he, he was probably like at the first or second Paley Fest. He was there. at like the very, yeah, I think he was at the very first one, and then stopped, and then it became a tradition for Paley to always have the community cast. And you know, it, oh, well, it, it would change. Gone by by GI Jeff. What am I talking? Oh about? yeah, yeah, he was. But um, I, I that's right. That. But yeah, he was definitely there the first couple Paley's I went to, or definitely there in the show still. First couple pages, but he and Chevy Chase sat out the panels. Mm. And this was as Challenge Gambino was starting to ramp up. Like, I, you know, like the EP and the mixtape and Cold Sack were out by then. Uh, Camp was coming out, I think. Actually, Camp might have already been out a couple months at that point for the first panel I went to, because I think I went March 2012 and Camp was 2011. So. Right, right. Yeah. Oh. Or was Camp 2012? I don't know. Either way, he had he had a rap career to go pursue. <laughs> Yeah. Will yeah. you be going to the Paley Fest uh, panel for Space Force? Uh, probably not. No, I don't even think well, there is one. But but you like all that cast. I do like some of them, but I don't know if I can invest enough in the show. I did have tickets to see the Mandalorian panel at Paley Fest before coronavirus took over. That would have been cool. Could have met Baby Yoda. <laughs> but it's called, it's called the child. I, I haven't seen. I know it, it is called the child. I just, I just, I, I just know the child. people yes. call him the child officially. Yeah. 
And something about a dark saber? I don't know. I don't like Star Wars. We well, that could have been a spoiler. Well, times. sorry, anyone who hasn't seen Mandalorian. Spoiler. <laughs> that was literally like the final shot of season one. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. and we'll then I made back. it worse by doubling down and explaining what you spoiled. Okay. No, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll fix it in the editing. Uh, yeah, just we'll just edit it out. So I think that's all we've seen for television. Uh, Movie-wise, Angel, you want to talk about a little sum-sum? Yeah, so I went to this movie um, thinking it was going to be, you know, like a wholesome, you know, like Ghibli animated film, but it was just straight-up porn. Wait, what? Movie are you on, talking about here? Yeah, I, I did a real science I, I, research for research purposes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did a real that with watching porn, airplane porn, to be exact. I'm sorry. What? So, is this like so the movie graphic the, JJ to jet plane? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie is called The Wind Rises. Okay. And the wind it, rises. Porn. Compared to other <laughs> Ghibli films, it's just a very interesting like approach to how this movie came about because it's a historical fiction based on like the life of um who was it Jiro Hirokoshi he is a air- airplane engineer so like he had the dream of becoming an yeah like becoming a pilot that didn't really pan out they became an engineer and true to Ghibli like the same way they gave you so much detail and food and that kind of stuff they do that with airplanes but the movie is about airplanes so you see them like up close. You see pretty much every single like gear moving. It's it's amazing, like just the, the amount of animated detail that's in there. But yeah, it's like damn, like he really loves airplanes. Like down to like how the rivets are cut and everything, like how smooth the wing line is. Like it's the main character or, it, or who who directed? Was this uh Miyazaki? Miyazaki. Okay. Yeah. So this is a, a Miyazaki film. So this so is I more. Thought... This close. This is more. This is more Grave of the Fireflies and less Ponyo, right? Uh, it's more in terms of to- I guess it, tone. It's more Porco Rosso and less Ponyo, because Porco Rosso also happens to be a a movie about airplanes. Or it, it's more grounded. I mean, there's like no oh actual God, like airplane I, pun. Yeah, it's yeah. more grounded. Yeah, that's what that, that's what that's what I meant. It's more more grounded, like like. Oh uh, yeah, but it's not depressing. The yeah. Well, I guess it can. Is, is no one aware you keep making the same airplane pun? Grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, be like, at <laughs> one anyway. point in the movie, it really takes off. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, so half the movie is just historical fiction, and I mean, it, it's interesting to follow, but because it's still a Ghibli film, like, and it's more on the realistic side like there isn't any fantastical element except in the dream sequences like they have plenty of dream sequences you know where the main character is dreaming about his next airplane design and he interacts with a real world italian engineer like Nick caproni who because it's his dream obviously doesn't act this way or did any of the things he did in his dreams but um that's where like they really flex their animation skills and like the fantastical, like, whoa, look at all these super crazy airplane designs that would never work in real life. But like, it's just beautiful. Like just the way everything's animated. I mean, it's kind of hard to, at this point, just like not say that every time for every Ghibli film, just cause like everything is like hand drawn hand painted. It's a, it's like a lost art that I'm glad someone is still doing like consistently. And as I say that, um, Ghibli announced their first CG film, so that's going to be interesting how that turns I out. I did see that. I mean, I mean screenshots. I mean, it looks really nice, and they have. 
and well they haven't but um recently japan has been pumping out these um cg films that look really really good like the way things are animated just it gives them more of a cartoony feel it's kind of like um like the way hotel transylvania is animated like i feel like not enough cg animated films are animated that way like everything just kind of has a quasi-realistic feel to it like at this point it's kind of called like the pixar or disney animation style like everything just has a standard movement to it but when you're watching hotel transylvania or yeah, i don't know if you saw any of you saw the trailers for the lupin the third cg movie that came out recently in japan they have yeah, a very stylized way of movement that just looks like whoa that looks really cool i mean that's why it's great that like movies like spider-verse really break that mold and like stand out in their own way and you know ghibli maybe they'll do that with this next film hopefully but you know it's just nice if things just don't all look the same but essentially back to the airplane porn um when it isn't doing that um they decided to essentially take this historical fiction and combine it with a novel called i guess the wind has risen which is essentially like a novelization of the author um he wrote a story about his relationship with a woman and how she got tuberculosis and like passed away and very sad stuff. But for whatever reason, I guess Miyazaki thought like, huh, I really like the story about this engineer, but it needs a dramatic tone, a shift to it. So he just kind of combined them both and it works, but I felt like watching the film it kind of really felt like you didn't really need to have that love story in it and the film would still end the same way but i guess it gives you something else to have in the back of your head like you know like there's more than one thing going on but i kind of felt like the story of the plane or his passion for engineering was enough because you really feel the drive and you feel like the desperation and just the love for that career but you know i mean not that the other part was bad it just felt included as a part of, as opposed to being like seamlessly integrated but and i guess now knowing that that is kind of the case it is become it does become more evident um otherwise i mean i don't know it's still, it's still a good ghibli film um it's definitely not it's no mononoke it's no spirited away but it's somewhere in the middle i would say something that i definitely have to bring up that is probably more jarring than the airplane porn is the fact that the majority of the sound effects are done, I was going to say by hand, but I guess by mouth. Wait, what? Um, oh, okay. Which um, is really I'm, weird. Like, Wasn't ready for that one. Like, I get what they're going for. Like, sometimes it feels like the sound effects are actual, you know, like, engine sound effects. But, like, 100% of the time in the dream sequences, the sound effects are made by mouth. Which, you know, it fits with the tone and with... With the way the story is going, it's like, oh, it kind of gives it a whimsical, like, childlike look to life. Because, you know, everyone's played with planes. Everyone's made those sound effects. So it almost, like, kind of elevates that a little. But then when you see it, or when you hear it, when it's not a dream sequence, it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, why, why is it's it doing this? It's just straight up jarring. Wait, so yeah, is it like, like, like the planes are flying? It's like, meow, and things like that? No, meow, not, no, no not that much. It's, no. It, it's like someone is actually... Like doing a good job of like replicating the sound are, effects, are you saying but that's you a straight bad up job? know. But no, but you straight up know it's like a person doing it. Like okay. they're doing it the way they should be doing it if they're trying to replicate it. But you can't get away from the fact that it still sounds like a person. And I mean, there is one scene in particular where it's not a dream sequence. Like early on, there's like an earthquake, and 
that is done all with like you know like by mouth and it's kind of weird but it almost kind of makes the earthquake and the ensuing catastrophe sound almost like a like a monstrous event or like a monstrous attack as opposed to like the typical like crashes and explosions it just sounds like yeah it sounds like a beastly like some other otherworldly thing and i felt like that kind of worked like it just made everything sound scary it just felt different because you know we've I've never really seen a movie that did that. Hmm. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like it's, it's definitely an experience. It's, it's an interesting movie. You could tell that we're just trying this out because I mean, who else is going to do it if they did not So, I mean, I applaud them for that, but I don't know if it hit most of the time. Story-wise, I liked it. Um, the romance part, you know, like I said, I felt kind of just tacked on, but, I mean, it still worked, but I mean, it's something that you just have to see if you see for yourself and you watch it. But yeah, I mean, as far as Ghibli films go, um, I definitely still recommend it overall. It's just beautiful, weird, and you know, if you really like airplanes, I guess you'll really like this film. So, have you been watching these all on HBO Max or from your collection? From my collection, I have. I'm only missing two Ghibli films, and. Which They're ones? not considered most watch. Um, I'm missing one called Ocean Waves, which was animated by Ghibli, but it's kind of like it's never really included in a lot of their list just because it was like, all right, here you guys, here's like a few people, new people have added at a project, see how it goes. And it was kind of released in like independent film circuits before it was kind of made available. It wasn't really like, it wasn't a wide release kind of thing. And the only other one I don't have is sort of one called meet the yamadas which is just an adaptation of a comic strip that is from japan so you know it's like the movie's like a vignette it's a bunch of vignettes that are pretty much just take that pretty much just take the comic shorts or the comic strips and just make little 10 11 minute segments out of them and just string them together so you know that's not really like a a movie that the western audience would really appreciate or really it would really click with as much i'm gonna buy them eventually just because, why not? At this point, I have all of them, but... Yeah. Uh, what's called? Are, are you the same with your brother where they all have to... Because you're buying the Blu-rays, right? Yeah. Uh, where they all have to be, like, in the sleeve? Like, they have to be They consistent. do. If I can get it in the sleeve, I will get it in the sleeve, but... Oh, God. Because like, I think your brother just straight out refuses to buy them if... if they don't come with the sleeve. I mean, if, if I know I can get it with a sleeve and it's available in front of me without the sleeve, even if it's cheaper, I'll still won't buy it unless I can, until I can get it with a sleeve. Um, but I, yeah, sometimes like, I just have to accept it. Like, I think that's like where I'll flex a little more. Like, I feel like Ghibli's like oh, just a horrible. I started at a bad time. Like, I started when Disney still had the license to distribute these films. So they came with these really nice, like, sleeves that had gold and shiny blue on the side. They're all uniform. Yeah, like every like they look like a nice set. And then at some point, G Kids got the rights to them, and Disney didn't get to, didn't finish adapting all of them. So I started getting the G Kids versions, which also came with sleeves. But then some of them don't have sleeves. Like they just straight up don't release them with sleeves. Mm -hmm. So I have like half of the collection is in this uniform G Kids form, and the other half is like in this nice Blu-ray disney form and then there's like four in the middle that don't have a sleeve whatsoever 
And then there's one, Grave of the Fireflies, which isn't technically under the Ghibli filmed um- umbrella. This is animated by the studio, um, which is why I think it isn't in HBO now. Like that one, like it's just kind of there, like in its own little Blu-ray case without a sleeve. But if you go overseas or in other countries, they literally have like one nice box set of like every Ghibli film up to that point. And it's like a giant, I guess like faux, I guess what is that? Like tweed, tweed material. I don't know what to call it. It's like this weird fabric, but I don't know. It looks super nice and I kind of wish we had access to those, but there's a real nice way, easy way of buying those. And at this point, because I'm so far in, it's, yeah, like I don't know if I could buy a box set. That's got to be frustrating. I I wouldn't know what I would do with these. I mean, I guess I could donate them all if I see a box set at the right price, but I also do kind of like having individual cases for them. But I don't know. Collecting is weird. I'm always... And, I'm always... Oh, sorry. Oh, no. It's, it's, it just kind of sucks, especially with some TV shows like the 2003 Ninja Turtles, like my favorite interpretation of the Ninja Turtles. I was collecting... My brother and I were collecting other DVDs. This was before Blu-ray. Um, they released them for whatever... This was back in the day when instead of releasing like one season, they would release like, oh, volume one. And it was like four episodes. And then volume two and then volume three. And then if you would get like maybe five volumes that would be like the equivalent of a season but they never straight up end on the season they're just kind of flow and then at some point once they finished going through like 12 of these volumes where the spines drew out the Ninja Turtles they decided to completely drop that and then they just went oh here is Monster Then Mayhem um, volume 2.1 then volume 2.1 they started going on this weird decimal system oh god where <laughs> And you would have to, like, look up, like, all right, do I actually have the whole season? Okay, I have to have to get these, these, and these. Because they weren't labeled as, like, a whole consistent thing. It was just, like, random numbers. And then at some point, they actually released a season four. Not a one, two, three, just a straight-up season four. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, right, cool. Are they going to release one, two, and three so I could not have this mess? And they're like, nope. And then the next time... Oh, and by now, Blu-rays exist, but they're just not really seeing it in Blu-ray. And then finally, where they ended, they finally figured it out. They had Season 1, Part 1, Season 2, Part 2. Bam. And then they had Season 2, Part 1, Season 2, Part 2. And then they just stopped. And that's where it ended, like, 10 years ago. Did they (laughs) at least finish the spine art for that first set? Or do you have, like, half-finished Yeah, they at least finished... Yeah, they did at least finish the spine art, but it's, like, finally when they have it right so I can actually own the whole series and DVD, they just abruptly stopped. Right, right. It was the most frustrating thing ever. And now we're just stuck with, like, a crap ton of DVDs (laughs) with, like, no cohesive collection. At least, like, the 80s Ninja Turtle or the 90s Ninja Turtle show did finish. They also did start with the same. We're, like, volume one. Well, they split the seasons into way too many volumes until towards the end they finally just gave you one box that was one season mm-hmm. and then after we completed all of those they released a turtle van with all the dvds in there so you know so they finally came to yeah. their senses yeah but by then it's like right. i'm not buying these again yeah the the, the spine thing <laughs> like i that that hurt me deeply because i remember uh you know the chance that I would be not finished because i remember nintendo power I used to on all their issues have spine art and if you had a whole set of nintendo powers you know it'd be like look it's link on his on the king of red lions from wind waker or whatever and there's a couple times like my issues got lost in mail and I had to go buy the issue one because I wanted to read it but two because I couldn't just have a missing piece of link I needed the full spine art and it was it would drive me crazy as a kid so I, I definitely feel that 
I'm glad they finished it and you didn't have to go through that conundrum too. I mean, I, I, I love collecting stuff. I mean, at least with Transformers, like, they actually released like a complete first season on one. Season two, for whatever reason, was split into two different DVDs. And for whatever reason, season three and four were put on one box, like on one DVD box. So we have four boxes for four seasons, but season one is one, season two is two, and three and four are one. <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah, that's And then, works. you know, Beast Wars luckily gave me two DVDs, but, well, I mean, it's technically eight CDs, but two boxes with season one on one and two and three on the other. But at least those are complete and simple. Like, nope, Ninja Turtles is just going through a nightmare. I don't know if Nickelodeon is ever going to do it. They still release the newer Ninja Turtles, the 2012 ones, on DVD. But no, they never released a Blu-ray for some reason. So, I don't know. I feel like we're cut from a very similar... I feel like I know you on such a deeper level after hearing this. Because we're cut from a very similar cloth. Like, I remember, like, if you look at game boxes, right? You know, like, there would... PlayStation does it, Xbox does it, Switch or Nintendo does it, where, like, they have a standard style that the spine should be. So when you have a row of games, they all have, like... Either they all put their logo, or they all put it in plain text, or they all have the Switch logo up top, or the publisher logo at the bottom, or, you know, whatever it is. And then there's always that one third party that's like, you know what? I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to follow that style guide. I'm just going to do what I want. So you have, like, all these perfect spines... And then there's one that's just like, I'm Elibits, and I'm going to do my logo instead of plain text. Sucks to be you. And she's like, why did you ruin it? You ruined the aesthetics. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from with uh, this. Don't even get me started on Disney. Like, since I I have pretty much, I've been collecting, like, a bunch of the Disney films to the point where I don't need to get Disney Plus if I want to watch a classic one. But there was a point where they had, like, their special editions, ones where they had the exact same spine, same art, mm-hmm. everything was nice and uniform. Mm-hmm. Then they started going to their diamond editions where they were all silver spine. And it's like, all right, I guess um, we're doing this now. And then at some point, the diamond started going, started becoming gold. And now they were look gold for some Fair arbitrary right. reason. And then now more recently, they started re-releasing everything in the Walt Select version. So now they're all like white and more like, I guess they're all uniform and just plain white hmm. with on the spine with the names. So, but did they put every movie then, in every form, so to speak? Like, did every movie exist in each of those spines? Like, could you have had a full set and then they're just refreshing the set each time? Or is it like two thirds of their movies are one spine? And they're like, just yeah, kidding, I here's mean, a I silver mean, they spine. Do, now. Well, they, they, ne- they never get through the whole collection before they reset. Oh. They just get. It, it's kind of like they start over. It's kind of like Nintendo. Like, they start re releasing everything from the beginning. Right. They only get so far and then they just start over. Right. Again. It's like the virtual console. So, depending. <laughs> and because, like, they're very. At, at least at the time, they were very strict on their. Like, when something goes to the vault, like, you can't find it anywhere. Right. So. By the time I started collecting them, I couldn't get them on. I caught them like on the tail end of their mm. special editions. So then I started on their diamond, but then they restarted. You know, I pretty much caught them like restarting three times when I was like collecting these things. So the Disney's just look completely not uniform. It's, and it's so frustrating, isn't it? Like I'm, like I'm a nerd about branding. And for whatever reason, Dumbo, I have it on Blu-ray, but they gave me a. But they only give it to you in a DVD case, so it's like the one tall one. Oh, that's, that's like, that, that, heck? No, like, like why? Oh, that's that uh, yeah, that's horrible. No, because so I, I either have to like put all my and I have my movies like in a certain order. I have like first of all all my Ghibli films, then all my Japanese, I guess, anime films. Like you have like Akira, Promare, Metropolis, stuff like that, and then you have the Disney's, and then I have like my other that don't have enough, like you know, like Fantastic Mr. Fox and great movie, freaking um. Island Dogs, the Transformers movie, Spider-Verse, Coraline, other studios. But since Disney isn't at the end, because 
it doesn't really make sense putting it at the end. Dumbo can't be with them because then it'll just stick out like a middle finger. So <laughs> I just got to put it at the end next to the Lego movie because even though that's a Blu-ray and 3D, it comes in this giant box with Emmett's face on it. So To, to reference yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox, it sounds like you really have a cluster cuss there. Isn't that what they say in it? Cluster cuss instead? Yep. Yep. Um, well, yeah. Well, they just say you, you, you're cussing me instead no, of... No, but they, at one point they say cluster cuss, I think. <laughs> Because I remember thinking, yeah, that, yeah, but no, um, no, no, yeah, they, they say that they they use the word "cuss" yeah, yeah. often as, but no, like I, I was word. gonna say that, like I'm, I have always, even as a little kid, been a weirdly, like weird, weirdly into branding, like a kind of a branding nerd. Like I remember distinctly as a kid, anytime a cereal box changed design, I'd be like, oh my god, look at look at, and I like point out to my parents, like, look, they like Toucan Sam's nose is like slightly different now, and the logo's a little bolder, or like weird things like that. So like you're talking about like literal physical changes, like if. There was – I don't remember which – it was either Midway or Ubisoft in the GameCube days maybe or – there's one spine where the third-party publisher is just like, I'm just going to put my little logo at the bottom. No other publisher did that. It drove oh, me no. insane. It's literally a dot, but it drove me insane. <laughs> so That's what I hated about Nintendo too. Like all their Wii U boxes were blue. Mario Kart Wii's was red. Yeah. Even though like their – like the Wii U logo itself was still blue on the paper, so it mm-hmm. just looked – nasty it wasn't like new super mario brothers wii where the whole thing was red which looked nice yeah even though it stood out so i had to take the plastic case out of mario kart wii i put i switched it with the legend of zelda wind waker hd (laughs) because that's in the collector's edition so that's inside the box so that that's so the red box is out of sight and now they're all blue so it's like all right cool. i haven't quite done that but no definitely that or like you know when like playstation i think it was ps3 where they rebranded everything when they oh, did yeah, everything got shorter everything got longer. shorter they changed the logo from spider-man font to what oh, no, it got longer oh yeah PS3 yeah they got, they got, they got, they got on the top and then they put it sideways yeah. yeah and then like they changed the logo and they changed the spine and they changed the header like you know the unified branding I was like, I was watching from afar to kind of bring it full circle to earlier. I was like, thank God I'm only a Nintendo fan because I would lose my mind if I had half <laughs> my games in one box of one height with one style and half of the games for the same system, totally different style. So, yeah. Do that... you do any of this, Kevin? Like, yeah, are we crazy? Are we a like a collection of no, movies? No, no, absolutely not. I was about to say, like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm thankful that, like, pretty much everything that I get is just digital now. Mm-hmm. But then I remember the first episode where where I became a uh, uh, the third chair of uh, Random Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I complained about how I bought uh, the Mission Impossible series on Voodoo, and when you select the movies, like they're they're all consistent. They they have they have the positioning of the title exactly in the same position, with the exception of Mission Impossible Six, which is like. It, it almost looks like the teaser the teaser uh poster that came out oh so so, the, so visually as you go through the the things they're not aligned anymore yeah so it's like one two three four five you know at the, the bottom left corner it yeah. says which movie it is but nope mission impossible fallout nope it's just straight up the the poster that they used well it's funny because even digitally this is interesting. like there's so many people that freak out about like when a company's like here's our switch game icon and then there's like the, all these people like no that's not the right styling or that doesn't fit with the others and it's like it's a whole thing so yeah it's, yeah, it's not a strictly physical thing who, at all who was it who, who was the first it was like snake pass it was right? snake it was pass like, that started it and now one. there's like there's a little more like looseness with them but there's definitely there's a on reset era you know the gaming forum what one of the bigger ones um there's a whole ongoing thread of switch icons where everyone just is like here okay here's the icon for this game I, I have these concerns about it. and they're like, oh, well, we hear you. And then, like, developers go and be like, we're going to fix it. And then they do an update and they fix it. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's really this episode in a nutshell is just first world problems, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh man, like I, I think the worst, one of my least favorite ones is um, I guess it's when when movie titles aren't consistent with their own like numbering system. Like luckily, like I've seen these kind of like just like I've seen these from a first. I'm like, oh god, I'm glad I don't follow these. But just like if I had on the shelf, like they have a they have like the Rocky movies released. It's like straight up Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, Rocky five, and the last one is just Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. So you just I'm, it almost I'm looks like a prequel. That that, that I mean that one's like I mean I mean that one's okay. I think like where it gets like worse is like I guess with the Rambo because you just have the first one just called First Blood on the spine. Oh then yeah. It's, oh yeah yeah. Then it's Rambo First Blood Part Two. So it's like the second one, like Rambo Two, First Blood Three, yeah. but it's like it's like no, it's just Rambo Three, and then the fourth one is just called John Rambo, or I think just Rambo. No, I think it's just Rambo, yeah. and then the newest yeah, so one, like that. The newest one I think <laughs> is just called oh, it's called Rambo. Oh, Final Last Blood, Blood. or Last yeah, Final yeah, Blood. Yeah, so that one is just all over the place. Yeah. But... Oh yeah, I also I also yeah. aired my grievance about that with uh, the Zero oh, Escape yeah. series. The first oh, one right. was nine nine nine. Then it was Zero Escape Virtue's Last Reward. And then Zero Time Dilemma. To be fair, oh, I think on. they re-released 999 hey, and put Zero. Did, I think they stuck it in front. Yeah, but then, but then for uh, for Zero Time Dilemma, there was no Zero Escape in front of it. Well, what are they doing? So they so they re- <laughs> so they retroactively corrected themselves, but then but going they broke forward, it again. they said nope. <laughs> I hate it so much. What what is so hard about consistency? I know, right? That's all we ask. That's all anyone asks. Consistency. Zero I mean, really, every problem it. in the world boils down to people breaking a consistent pattern in many ways. If you think about it. Virtue's last reward. Like if you really like, if you want to get real deep, like it's when expectations oh, are defied deep. that things go awry or things become funny. That's the root of comedy. Everything's about expectations. So yeah, when consistency is broken, things go crazy. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. I'm, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, it's funny because like all this like also applies to like figures as well and like how they're packaged and when they decide to change the packaging. Oh, like when Amiibo changed yeah. their packaging. By the way, congrats to our Amiibo giveaway winner, Tyler. Oh yeah. But uh, uh, congrats, Tyler. Uh, you get. Uh, fifteen randomly assorted amiibo. You get fifteen random Nintendo amiibo. The fact yeah. they're still in their box is crazy. You're gonna get a big box in the mail, or oh, are you yeah. sending them? Please individually? send them individually <laughs> as a drip fee, like as like a trickle for like the next like fifteen months, like oh, one a like month, a like, yeah, it's like a loot box. Oh, but no, no, it literally <laughs> is like a loot box because you don't know which ones you're getting. <laughs> no, he, he's gonna get them individually. It's just gonna take me uh around how how long was it? Two around... years? No. If I if I don't stop driving, uh, I'll I'll get there in. Oh, like you're driving to him. Twenty-seven hours. You're driving yeah, to I'm, him. I'm, I'm driving. I'm, I'm driving to him. Okay. Um, I don't right. think he knows that. <laughs> He's gonna be very yeah. surprised and yeah. confused. It's gonna be very surprised, especially when I'm tired and ask him to uh, crash on his couch. To crash on his couch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. And then ask if he has a Monster <laughs> Energy drinks and or donuts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, anything else we want to talk about, John? Um, I, I guess I just, I just want to mention this um, YouTube channel now, just because I don't really know when I will, because it's not really a big thing to bring up, but something I discovered recently. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of World Record Progression. I don't even know if that's the name no. of the YouTube channel, but that's their consistent title across other other videos. I have but not heard it. I would recommend watching watching some. At least to the games that are relevant to you, like Jason, you would enjoy watching like their Donkey Kong 64, Mario Kart 64, anything Mario related. Mm-hmm. But essentially, um, I love that they kind of take 
it's a, docu- a mini documentary series on how the world record progresses throughout the lifetime of a game. And they're, sh- and they're edited in like a very old timey, like PBS documentary format. Is it something it salt? Feels like... Is that the, is that the channel? What? Something, something salt? Maybe, but you'll, you'll know it's them just because it says world record, record, record progression in like white 8-bit font. Oh, okay, yeah, so so it is, guys. The history of Castlevania world records. World yeah. Record progression, go. Sonic Adventure 2 battle. Okay, well. Honestly, that sounds very really cool. Because, like, King of, Kong is, King of Kong is a really good documentary. That's basically so, about the same thing. So the, Love the King so of these are, So these are great because they kind of touch on the history of just, like, when the game came out, like, you know, like, how, how long it took to beat it. And then when people started beating it, you know, like, for speed running, and then he'll talk about the different... Like, you learn so much about just the speed running culture that almost makes you appreciate a lot more because, you know, sometimes they'll have, like, there's a portal one where they have out-of-bound runs where you're allowed to break the boundaries of the game and pretty much skip to the end of the level. Or there's one where you're forced to stay inbounds and use different mechanics to beat it. And then there's games like Donkey Kong 64 that people thought that game was fully optimized at one point, but then they discovered, like, whoa, there's actually a way to beat it without collecting any of the bananas. Wait, what? And then the... The whole game is about collecting. How on earth? And then the record started, like, climbing, and then they figured out that you could actually beat it without getting a certain number of golden bananas. And pretty much, they got to the point where the game, I think, was... You could beat it in, like, under an hour or, like, 30-something minutes. How long are these um, Uh, documentaries? They range from, like, 5 to 10 to 12 minutes, so they're pretty short. Okay, that's not bad. But... But it, but I love how, like, they use a lot of footage from, like, the streamers because a lot of these people, like, stream their world records live or they have them recorded. And you see their reaction when they finally beat it. And because at that point you know how long it took or how long the record was held. Mm-hmm. And even if it's by milliseconds, like, the one on Mario Kart and how they have to, like, go for, like, the uh, this very specific trick at the beginning of the finish line. And how it was like a one in like sixty chance of happening, and someone pulled it off three times in a row, and out of like thousands and thousands and thousands of attempts, makes it feel like damn, like no one's ever gonna beat that. And it's it's crazy because it's pretty much accomplishments that in our circle, even in our circle, like I mean, I thought I kept up with this kind of stuff. Like they're really big deals, but they're also like could be completely unheard of, and you might never even know that was even a thing. It's almost like I discovered a whole new world that I never existed. I don't know. It's just that sounds cool. cool. You could be I mean, sitting next to the world record holder of Donkey Kong 64 at Rubio's and have no idea. Basically. I <laughs> no, mean, but that, that actually a, sounds really cool. What? What's Rubio's? Mexican restaurant, like fast casual Mexican, like a Chipotle competitor kind of store, but with an emphasis on seafood. Oh, Chipotle actually sounds It's like Baja Fresh, if you know Baja Fresh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, Rubio's. So if you're, yeah, yeah Rubio's. I was like, what on earth are you... Maybe you're tired. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so if yeah, so you feel like, right. you know, just wanting to have something on, like, in the background while you work on something, I think those are really cool to watch just because, you know, get some feedback on the game, especially the Sonic Adventure 2, like, the kind of skips they had to do. And, like, I love that there's, like, um, a lot of these skips get, like, their own nicknames. So there's, like, a level in Sonic Adventure 2 called Crazy Gadget. And that level revolves around, like, flipping the gravity so that when you're on the ceiling at some point, then you're on the sides. And someone figured out that when you flip the gravity a certain way, you could jump up high enough to get to the next area so that you're pretty much falling down through the whole level so that you're not actually playing it correctly and you skip a lot of the game. So that was called, like, the crazy gadget skip. But then someone figured out an even harder way to skip that skip, so they called it the crazy gadget skip skip, and then they just used the acronyms for it. But... 
I don't know. It's it's cool. Just how people discover these hmm. things and how all that evolves. But exploit culture, essentially it's a, it's game a, exploit li- culture. Literally. I should specify. Oh yeah, and and and, and, and kind of like tangential, but I know like IGN I think has a series where they have like developers of the game watching like the world record speedrunners. Oh, that's cool. So so it's really fun just hearing their commentary on like, oh man, we should have found that like like you know yeah, that, it's pretty yeah, much just like really cool. them feeling bad about all these exploits. Like oh my god, like we left that in. And other times they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, we knew that was in there, but we didn't. Like, you kind of hear that instant that they didn't have enough time to fix that. It's like, oh, well, luckily it's only uh, for speed running, but yeah. Yeah, and there's also instances where, where I, the one that I, that I was really invested in that, that I actually saw a part of it with my mom because she was really interested in watching it was, um, and huh. my mom is, hmm. doesn't care about video games at all. <laughs> but uh, uh, the one that was interesting was the Half-Life 2 one where they knew about about like obviously like the exploits that that players would take but then they were like decide like oh should we leave that in there for the speedrun community <laughs> like it's, it's always oh. it's always funny when uh how they, they like they like grill each other too like the the developers like there's a part where 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 uh where the 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 speedrunner just skipped a huge chunk of half-life 2 and then one of the developers was like Oh man, I can't believe that they skipped the part that you worked on. That's so embarrassing. And then, <laughs> and then, immediately the guy would skip the part that the other guy was working on. Oh, so it's like perfect. Oh, I I shouldn't have. Yeah. So it, it's really funny. Yeah. That that's just great. How... Definitely that YouTube channel definitely sounds like the the perfect channel to have on the side while like I'm playing Final Fantasy 14. Just like mm-hmm. something, just something, something quick and dirty on the, on the side that. I don't really have to pay too much attention to, but it's always there just to just to listen to, you know. Kevin, how did you your know? mom end up watching Half Life Two with you if she's not into gaming? How did that like come about? Well, she she I think the run was like I don't remember how long it was. I think it might have been like an hour thirty, but she only stuck around for like maybe ten, fifteen minutes hmm. because like I was I was explaining to her or like oh the guys talking are the guys that. Well, that made the game, you know. Oh I, yeah, basically, what you obviously, did obviously yeah. had to like like simplify, sure, simplify sure. everything for her. Like, oh yeah, these are the guys that made the story, or not the story that made the game, right? And they're they're seeing people break their game, and she was like, real, she was like, oh, aren't they aren't they upset by that? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, it's just there. Is, I it's guess all, there it's is like an intrinsic drama that can come with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, she, like the fact that she was interested in that was it's funny. Speedrunning's, I'm always conflicted on the speedrunning community. Especially the tool assisted uh, speedrun community. Yeah, tool assisted. Where... Tool assisted. I feel like if you want to say you hacked the game and did something cool, call it a hack. But to be like, oh, it's a tool assisted speedrun. It's like, well, you're not speedrunning the game. You're speedrunning a modification you made to the game. Thus, you are like not when... speedrunning it. You are hacking it. Yeah. I mean, the the way they describe tool assisted speedruns, I guess, in this series. I mean, I really. It sounds like a tool that you really appreciate, just because they pretty much show you like, oh, this is what it would look like optimized like with perfect inputs and everything so then people know like all right so that miracle like getting as close to that time is like the goal but then in some of these instances they actually beat the tool assisted time because they discover some other things that made it even more possible that the tool assisted couldn't really replicate right. i mean i guess there's always that human element but yeah which is really cool but yeah when they actually use that or you know this infamous cheaters that stitch their run together because yeah, you know that's where it's not run. cool anymore but then but then there's other people that like you know put it out there like oh this is a stitched run but just to show you this is what it would look like this is what a perfect run would look like uh-huh. and then you know it gives people like a bar so they know but is it like an accurate with, but... bar 
I mean, I guess in a way it is, well, but well, it, well, it's just a bar. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, like if you're hitting, you, you, it's like a, yeah, it's a milestone. I guess. Okay. Right. Well, I guess uh, yeah. that'll that'll do it for this episode then. If unless anybody, all I'm gonna say is it's fitting that the speed running topic was the shortest topic of the episode. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. And uh, just like as usual, we're we just hit. Well, on my side, we just hit uh, an hour and fifty nine minutes. Same. Same. Oh. Yeah, I'm loving that these episodes are are at a consistent. Uh, yeah, they're right there with the regular consistent runtime. They're they're at the runtimes of basically the regular Ram Nintendo too, which is kind of cool that yeah. we have yeah this much other stuff yeah, to so, talk uh, about. Yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Either in the comments or on our Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcast. You know whatever podcast uh, tickles your fancy. Uh, podcast app and then uh youtube we are random nintendo.com i had to plug that on my uh my buddy's stream yesterday don't know if we got any hits but you know plugs a plug yeah. thank you <laughs> a pl- a plugs a plug uh follow us individually on our twitter accounts jason is jsr7 angel is wayro uh-huh. did i pronounce that right wayro yep. wayro underscore o w e i r O underscore O. I am Kevin Gomi on uh, Twitter. With no and vowels. Yeah. Kev- no. Kev- well, yeah, Kevin with no vowels. Gomi definitely has. Uh, oh, Gomi, yeah. Gomi is, is a majority of vowels. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so half vowel. 50 50. <laughs> Wait. Half vowel. Half your name is vowels and half of it isn't. Kevin Gomez or Gomi, but Kevin doesn't and Gomi does. Oh, that way. Yeah. That you were actually oh, I'm not doing the math. I'm not doing the math that fast. No, it's, it's too early in the morning for that. I say at 11 a.m. Ne- nearly noon. <laughs> yeah, it's about to be noon in six minutes. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Baya Kion Dios. Oh, God. All right. Well, with that. Was that the final I guess, word? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess it was. If you, if you want to do that again, Angel. But with more flair. Yeah, I watched Breakpoint recently. The way Keanu says that. Point Break. Crazy. Yeah, point Break. What did I say? Breakpoint. Uh, Breakpoint. <laughs> Breakpoint. <laughs> yeah, point break, yeah. Buy a key on deal. <laughs>